0: Hey everyone, this is Jared Pickney, and I am joined as always with our sound and video guy, the very talented Bill Jeffrey. Hello. And hey, we just wanted to preface today's episode by saying this. Um, today's guest, Max Bishop, to some is a controversial figure. I mean, he's a fighter, he's a real life ninja slash cowboy. And he can come across as kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. And I'll be honest, I didn't really know what to expect um, whenever we had Max on. I've never spent time with Max, but I grew up hearing a lot of stories about him. Stories that honestly, I was like, I've never... like This is kind of stuff you read about in a book or you see in a movie. And so um, I was really excited to have Max on. Didn't know what to expect. And I just want to encourage you as the listener. Um, As you tune into this, this might feel a little bit different than maybe some of the episodes that we have had before this and some that we'll have after. But um, though Max and I really couldn't be much different, I really enjoyed this episode and our time together. And I think um, that if you will listen to this with an open mind and some curiosity, that you will enjoy it as well. And so with no further ado, Sit down, b- buckle up. For the wild ride. Yeah, enjoy the wild ride. That is Max Bishop. <laughs> Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Pickney, and I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Max Bishop. Max, thanks so much for coming on. The last time you were in the building, it was a fight night, yeah, right? It was,
1: right. Yeah, a crazy fight night.
0: Yeah, so what was... What was that about the building obviously looks a lot different now i mean there's a right. church in it yes so.
1: a lot cleaner a lot nicer <laughs> it wasn't bad back then it was some kind of a banquet hall or something even back then and we had you know but it was all more open there wasn't all these rooms and stuff but it's nice you can tell there's a lot of work been done but it, it wasn't that bad back then It's just a big wide open space yeah.
0: how did you get connected with hoyce gracie and get him to come to parable
1: arkansas uh, we've been friends and trained together since the 90s, I guess, and uh, hang out, you know, which he's one of my coaches and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, we're really good friends. And so uh, I just called him, and we had went hunting, and he just hung out after we went hunting, and we did a seminar. And, and um, he comes once or twice a year still. Does he mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you he, said
0: you got connected with him in the 90s? You said? Yeah, yeah
1: okay. about 94, I think, something like that. Okay. Henzo first. Henzo Gracie was the first one, which is his cousin. Okay. And uh, so Henzo was in fighting. He he didn't live here at that time. We would fly him in from Brazil and and uh, hung hung out with him a lot and and, uh, and did stuff with him. So and then as then as Hoist got more famous, you know Henzo's actually meaner, probably, really? probably a little tougher. But but uh, Hoist is the one that got Henzo's. A, Henzo's a tough dude. Wow.
0: So here's what I've got on you, and uh, you tell me if this is all accurate. You are an Army vet. You are undefeated in no-holds-bar MMA. You've earned a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Hoist Gracie. You're a level 10 highest stand under Gokor.
1: Well, I used to be and stuff. We, anyway, they changed it around. Yeah, I'm, I'm really – the main thing is um, – which actually when I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu it was just to learn how to fight Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys. It's never been my rule. Passion, you know. Um, they they like to, you know, little. The difference, like I do, highest end um, with go corner, It's more catch wrestling based. So I mean, I so I always tell people, like if you're grappling with hoist, I mean you're going to lose to either one of them, you know, pretty much. But the thing is, is with hoist, you think you're winning, you think you got a chance. It's very fluid, very soft, and very technical. Um, And you think you're doing okay, and you think you might be fixing to win, and then you get caught in a choke or something, you know. But with go core, you know you're losing from the time you touch him until the time he mercifully lets you go. Really? Um, It hurts all the time. Um, So it's just a grinding. So there's, there's um, there's a mental dominance and stuff, too. You know, so basic, I remember, you know, I was doing martial arts my whole life and stuff way before Brazil and Jiu-Jitsu or anything came out, and, and I grew up wrestling also. Okay. Something you need to know, yes, it's something that's going to happen. If the other guy's a stronger wrestler, you, you, you need to know that. But it wasn't. it's never been my thing where, like, the only way that that's going to work for me is if somebody is a better wrestler and they put me there and there's nothing I can do about it, you know. Um, hmm. Otherwise, I'd rather be the one on top beating your face in and submitting <laughs> you so that you know that you're losing. Yeah. And yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, so, you know, I mean, everybody was watching the fights, even back in the day when a horse was first started fighting, everybody thought he was losing up until he won. So visually, mentally. Oh, sure. The, the guy you're fighting and the crowd watching, everybody thinks you're losing. Because
0: you're on your back, right?
1: Yeah. And mentally, <clears throat> I mean, since the dawn of time in wrestling, I mean, you go back to the statues of the Greek, the Greeks and the Romans and everything else, whoever's on top, who's winning, you know. So, and that's the way it is with the judges. That's why he tell people like, don't do that. And, and if I, like with Hoist and them, the only reason that he was winning those things is because it was going to the submission to the end, 30 minutes into it. Nowadays, you've got three minute rounds or five minute yeah. rounds. You better be doing some work. Yeah. So, that, so if you don't submit to the guy, you're going to lose the round. I was it, watching,
0: the, like I said, that Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock fight last night. Ken Shamrock was jacked, yeah. but he couldn't go anywhere. Right. So I was just going to ask you from a technical standpoint, how in the world? Because he had because wrestlers,
1: he he was primarily a wrestler though, and wrestlers felt like they were winning if they were there in your guard because your back's pinned. There's no reason to go anywhere. I'm just going to stay here and punch you. But your power in your punches doesn't come from your arms. It comes from your legs and your hips and stuff. So you got to drop off your legs and into your hips. Well, his with, with if you're in guard, they're controlling your hips. So you're just arm punching so the odds of you getting knocked out is pretty slim i mean you you know so that's why they start using elbows or trying to cut you, yeah. you know, trying to glance those blows off your eyebrows to get cuts but it's really hard to get any anything besides speed shots you know um you know of course the elbows still hurt and they stuck but but because you don't need a lot of power in the elbow because it's a yeah. bone on bone contact yeah, you're going to get cut like little razors yeah you're going to get cut so, you know, in those early days, you know, Ken wasn't even trying to pass the guard. He just stayed in the guard. And, um, okay. you know, it's just a lack of understanding. You know, nowadays, that, you know, you don't see that anymore mm-hmm. so much, you know. Or or people didn't know then uh, to put people in the cage. You know, everybody was pulling people away from the cage. Then later on, they learned, let's just stick them in the cage where we can hit them, you know. Um you know, so then and then they started adjusting rules. Well, you can't hold the cage to get up. You can't walk on the cage. You know, back then you could. So all those, all every time you change a rule, you change the dynamics of the game. You know, because it is a game. You know, it's not it's not reality so much, but it's a, it's an extreme sport for sure. But it's still a sport. You know. Yeah. So when you change the rules, you know, just like in the early ones, you could punch people in the groin, and then you can't punch people in the groin. You know, you could headbutt, and you couldn't headbutt. You know, And so every time you take something in or out of that, like for example, uh, Shogun Hua in mm-hmm. uh, Ninja Hua. But anyway, like you take Shogun, he was just devastating people in pride. And he, and he did okay in the UFC. But not as good because they took, like he did the head stomps. He kicked people through guard. People got in guard. He just stomped them to the dirt. He kicked, he had, you know, he'd pass their guard stomping them in the face and stuff and soccer kicking them in the head. And those were, he had, like they trained those techniques. It wasn't random. Like they really, really, you know, shoot boxes, the academies from really trained those techniques. Well, they took those away from him. You know what I mean? It, you know, it's kind of like so taking some it, weapons it, away from him. Yeah, so if you were like with Anderson Silva, was your was your guy, and he came over, and said Anderson actually does train in the same gym as as Shogun and them or whatever. But but if and you went well, but you can't use your shins anymore because we've decided the shins are too dangerous. So now that takes out every Muay Thai guy. Yeah. You know, well that's what they were doing. Like, well you can't take when you say you can't take out foot foot stomps and head kicks on the ground. You know that. That took away a lot of the pride guys. And then they're like, well, see, the UFC guys are better than the pride guys. No, different rule set. You know, they're the fighting USC,
0: on UFC's turf. and
1: Right. It'd be to put the UFC guys with the pride back in there. Different game. Different game. So you, ropes versus cage. You know, see, those guys are fighting in ropes over there. You know, so, you know, can't push somebody against a rope, you know. So, right. changed, you know, changed it up. Yeah. You know, every time. So,
0: you, we were talking about this before we started recording, but. I told my wife last night whenever I was going to be interviewing you, I was so excited about it because you are a ninja slash cowboy, which is every boy's like, every boy wants to be a, a ninja or a cowboy. You're actually living that.
1: So, what were you influenced by? All right. Yeah. When I was real young, there was a movie called Billy Jack, and that's what Billy Jack was was a cowboy and a. And uh you know, karate guy had come back from Vietnam and uh, lived on the Indian reservation he was you know part Indian and he he kind of took after the and there was a bunch of hippie people living on this Indian reservation and uh, he watched over them and uh, you know he wanted a peaceful off, but it wasn't being allowed to him and he was really efficient at killing things and hurting people and Got kept putting in situations, but at the very beginning of the movie, um, he rides up on a horse, and the, and, uh, the sheriff the Posner, and Posner and those guys and the, and the bad guys um, that run the town and own the town, the Richfield he they gathered up all these Mustangs and stuff off of the Indian Reservation, which was their horses, and they were going to kill them, put them in the, you know, for dog food, and they had them all rounded up in a pen. And the whole opening scene is them herding these horses up, and horses falling off the cliff, you know, getting their legs broke uh-huh. and stuff. And you're watching all this, so you're already thinking, you know, you don't like these guys. Oh, no, for sure and so they get in there and they all got their 30 30s out their actions and they're all getting ready to start shooting them and right when they start shooting them you know here comes billy jack riding in nice and slow through the brush and everything he comes up there and he tells them they're on indian land and they got to go and uh you know they've all you know there's like 20 of them with guns and and then he just you know he shoots a gun out of one of them you know one of them goes to reach for his gun sitting on the truck and he shoots the stock off of it He said, you know me and you know my meaning, you know, and that was what we talked about is he was willing to die to save those horses and they weren't willing to die to keep those horses. And so they ended up backing down because he was like, you know, he was like, I'm going to I'm going to kill as many of you as possible. It's the same thing, like, you know, in the famous scene, you know, when he gets into the um, he's in the park and all those guys are coming up. And that guy says, you know, you think those Green Beret karate chicks are going to help you against all these guys? And he says. Doesn't look like I have any choice." You know, it's like, it's not that he thought he was going to win, but he just, you know, and he beats the crap out of a whole lot of them and then they end up beating him up at the end. But he takes about 15 of them out horribly wow. bad first. Wow. And that was the deal. I was like, he was willing to go. He's like, well. So he, so he said, you know, so you know what I'm going to do about it, you know, just for the hell of it. He yeah. said, and he goes, well, I'm going to take my right foot and I'm going to whop you on that side of your head and there's nothing you can do about it. And he's like, really? And he goes, really? He walks on the head, and then he starts fighting. So he's like, well, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go down. So I might as well have some fun with it first so that I have that story to tell. You know what I mean? Like later on, I'm going I'm to be able to say, well, I kicked him in the face first. You know, <laughs> you know no matter how bad I take the whipping in the end, yeah. now, but I kicked you in your face first, there's nothing you yeah. can do about it. And so that stuck with me, and I, I wanted to be that. Yeah. And so I did. How much of your um, success
0: in MMA or just life in general is from that mindset of, I'm willing to die for what I believe in?
1: Run. yeah you like I was telling er, talking about earlier so there's a lot of people that are tough at beating other people up, and that's what we call being the hammer, but then when things get rough on them, they can't be the nail they can't take it back you know, and they'll just they'll quit you know, and they give up and so that stops them in life, not just from fighting but they just hit obstacles in life and they and they and they quit you know you know even like like you guys are doing the church thing, but you see people they like, they could be a good person like but then they get with alcohol yeah and they can't they can't handle or defeat alcohol or yeah. You know, or they can't stop cheating on their wife. Whatever obstacle it is, it doesn't matter if it's a, a person physically standing there or, or just something. And they just, they just can't take the pressure and they quit. It just yeah. work is too hard for me, so I just quit. Where other people see that as a challenge and not an obstacle, and they and they and they just go right through that. You know what I mean? And Some people go like, well, like for me, like I don't drink at all. Um, but it was because like my dad was an alcoholic, and my dad and his whole family they're functioning alcoholics. So I can't even go like, well. They all were successful, they all did great things in life, and they it didn't it didn't affect them, but I just was like I don't want to do that, yeah, so I just never did, yeah. you know, so you know I can't even say like well, he didn't- accomplish. like he runs a construction company and built million dollar houses and was there at work every day, you know what I mean, so um I'm not even saying there's anything necessarily bad with it. there's you know everybody in my family drinks and stuff, mm-hmm. and they all accomplish things, mm-hmm. none of them are what I'd say a loser or have problems mm-hmm. or issues, but mm-hmm. It's just not what I wanted to do, so I saw that as something that would. I saw. I always thought. I mean, I just grew up training. That's all I ever want to do is do martial arts. So, if you're trying to be the the strongest, the fastest, the quickest reflexes, shave your timing down. Well, then alcohol is going to have that negative effect. So you're just counter affecting what all you spent time doing. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of fights where I got into like a, a, a like when I was bouncing in a bar or, or fight. That the other guy was probably he probably was tough and he probably was a good guy. And he probably could fight, but he's drunk and so now you can't even stand up. So, you know, they're wanting to throw like a haymaker punch at you or push you and you hit him with a double leg and they fall down cuz they're drunk. They're not at their they're not at their A game, you know. Um, I'd be hard enough for anybody to beat on a normal day, but if you let me be completely sober and you're completely Absolutely. drunk, you really tilt the odds, are not odds in your favor. my favor. <laughs> <laughs> you really screwed yourself, for everybody, you know. So i Cuz they're like, down there
0: throwing beers back and you're just drinking orange soda.
1: Right. That's your thing. You know, or water with lemon. Or know, water with lemon. Water with lemon, or or orange crush. You know. So
0: man, so that's one of the reasons I've always been. I, I think I've been drawn to you. Um, so you've, you know, the first time I remember hearing about you, if my memory's not failing me, I was in seventh grade. So I'm I'm, thirty seven. That's been a what? That's been a while ago. And when there was a kid in our class who, took some of your classes. And I just remember people saying, don't mess with this kid. Why? Well, he's trained by Max. So you've always kind of had, even a seventh grader, man, um, there was this reputation among the seventh grade kids who didn't know you, didn't talk to you, but there's this reputation of, dude, Max is a tough guy, man. And uh, his students are tough kids and they're going to fight. Like they're going to, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to cower down. And even if things get tough, they're going to keep pressing forward. Where did that come from? Where do you think that was? Was that just how was that instilled in you? Because that's not normative. What you're talking about a lot of people. Oh man,
1: like alcohols. Yeah, I remember. Motivated. I remember when I was in ninth grade and I had moved to uh, at, at Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in Brownsville, Tennessee, and so we moved to a pretty, pretty prep school yeah. in in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. I was probably a little overkill by then because I, you know, we were fighting all the time, all the time, and that was like. You know, so I was in that mentality, yeah, like if somebody grabbed you from just, I mean, you know, so we had to fight all the time, you know, cause I didn't want to back down and, yeah. you know, and you know, it's just, you know, just how it was, you know, but what do you but, think was
0: instilled in you, you? You know, a lot of kids are in those situations even today, right? Where they're in really tough situations and, but they will back down. Right. So it's not like, and they, then you're going to
1: back down for life. You're going to, yeah. every obstacle that comes to you for the rest of your life, you're going to back down. Yeah. You might, you, I mean, that's the thing. I always tell people. When I was telling those kids, I go like, you know, lions—they don't mess with warthogs. They don't. It's not that a warthog can kill a lion, but the warthog's going to fight. So the lion just goes, you know what? It gets a water hole. If you see a lion fighting a water uh, fighting a warthog, it's because he has starving. He's. A, it's not their. It's the last on their list. It's a big juicy pig. They don't mess with them. That's interesting. Because that warthog. You see a lion go after a warthog mom or. Sometimes the warthogs will attack the lions because it's like it literally there's, if you go to YouTube, you'll see videos where it's literally like um, um, the lion king where they like, they like the little ground squirrel thing or whatever yeah. it is. And the, and the warthogs are running the lions off and stuff. It's because the, 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 the warthogs will fight. And if that lion gets, he knows if he gets wounded, if he gets that tusk cuts his paw or whatever, he's going to starve to death. You know, it's not that they can't kill a warthog. It's that that gazelle going to run, you know, that, you know that you know all those other ones are going to run and if they catch them they get to kill them and they get to eat them and that's the end of the story and that warthog's like no man we're gonna if you eat me we're fighting until yeah. the death you yeah. know and the lions have learned that over time and they just don't bother them that is interesting yeah. well like, it's like the cape buffalo they'll, they'll hunt the lions down and kill them you know so the, you know you don't you know they'll, they'll surround the lion hurt and start killing all the baby lions and stuff you know you go, go on so the lions avoid them it's not that they can't kill a baby Cape Buffalo, they know that Cape Buffalo will come back and kill every, every lion cub in their pack on purpose. Yeah, there's you know, something they'll get about revenge.
0: that. Yeah, I remember um, working in college at a place, and I worked with a guy named D'Angelo who grew up in Memphis and kind of a rough part. He said that early on his dad told him, look, you're going to get picked on, and you're even going to have people gang up on you and find the most vocal one in the group. And just try to get a punch in on him or a kick in on him, because if you fight back and you hurt, they're not. The whole group will then leave you alone. It's a bully
1: mentality, just as the same as that line. The bully mentality is to pick on the weakest in the herd, the weakest. All you don't have to be the strongest, just don't be the weakest. All you got to do is hit the middle of that road somewhere. If they go, that kid's gonna fight. Okay, well let's go pick on that kid. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be the toughest kid in class. You just got to be a tough kid in class. Yeah, that's not who they want to fight yeah they really don't nobody really wants to fight what they want you to do is back down and make them look tougher without any effort that's just that's how people are you know the bully really doesn't want. he wants you to cower down whatever he wants he just wants to look cool his buddies he'd rather not do it you know if he really wants that's what i told him if he really wanted to fight he'd get in the cage and fight other people that were actually tougher you know that's interesting and i've seen some people like we've got a kid here in town He's not a kid. He's an adult. But Dan Boakley was probably yep. one of the most talented all-around fighters. Really? You know, like, it didn't matter what, what he did. But, you know, he he's struggled from coming back from the war over there. Yeah. And he just really likes to fight. You know I mean? He wants to fight anybody. He doesn't care if he wins. He doesn't care if he loses. He doesn't care how hard somebody hits him. Um, he likes the combat. He likes the stress. Because I think... He feels so trapped um, mentally, not just physically, but mentally, that like I, just, like I just want to hit somebody. Or I just want to do that. When he gets in there, he doesn't care if they're hitting him back. He's not looking for an easy fight. You know, he just wants somebody to, he wants to feel free to let himself go, to, to, to come out. You know, and so, you know, he's not a bully. So sometimes, you know, people say, well, he's in a bar and he's looking for a fight. But he's looking for the toughest guy in the bar. He's looking for five of the toughest guys in the bar. He's looking for the bouncer in the bar. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's not being a bully. He's just stressed. Wow. You know, so yeah. you have to understand people's yeah. motivation. Totally. You know, and then other people in there, they're the biggest guy in the bar, and they're looking for the littlest guy in the bar, and they want to push him out of the way. You're just a jerk, you know.
0: You talk about that stress and just even that uh, that there's something in it. You know, when a person that says, man, I'm, I'm just trying – I'm almost like fighting to live or, or whatever. It's, I remember hearing Mike Tyson talk before about his son wanting to box. And he said to his son, you do not want to box. He said, because you don't have – he said, there's somebody out there who's fighting because that's their meal ticket. And you've grown up in my home rich and you've had everything. You, you, you're not going to have enough drive. He's like, as Mike Tyson, like, I was fighting for survival. Right. And he's like, You're gonna run across somebody like that. He was a thug. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And he, he and it's kinda what you're talking about people yeah. stuff. Yeah. So there is an element to where, like I said, don't know whether it's Dan or whoever, there's gotta be, it seems like, from just hearing you talk, um, there is a difference in, in your environment and some of the things you've experienced and has that added stress and have you already had to fight to overcome even when you were younger in your past, it's given you a little bit of a just a different mentality than maybe the kid who's grown up like me, white, middle class, and and pretty much had whatever I needed. True? I and mean, there's this is a different mentality, right? Well,
1: that's what, I, that's what I started to say. Well, I'll go with that story. So, when I, so I went in there, and, and I kind of got crossways with, like, this senior guy, um, completely by accident. Um, he was a big football player and real popular, and I just moved to the school. And so in my school, growing up in that mentality of you don't back down for nothing, if you give them an inch, you're going to take a mile. And so I was standing in line to go into the lunch tray. This was, like, day one. <laughs> And they had, I'd already got expelled from the last school and stuff and, and, expelled uh, for fighting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, but it, it really, again, it wasn't my fault. Um, I mean, I guess to a degree, everything's your fault, but the thing was they, they kept, um, my buddy, uh, Nathan Spencer is a judge in, um, uh, uh, Brownsville, Tennessee. And anyway, his dad was Dr. Spencer. So he had a lot of money and he was really good looking and he was the, football uh, on our football team he was the quarterback and so they would take his lunch money from him so his his dad would just give him extra money and he was like so he just gave him an extra five dollars every day and so he just give him the five dollars and they and i was like no stop doing it and he wouldn't stop doing it and it just made me mad so i would just start fighting them for nathan mm-hmm. and then they got mad that i was fighting them and so i kept doing it and so anyways so i grew up in that like i was really just taking up for him even though yes but Anyway, and they, you know... A loyal friend, man. Yeah, but it really bothered... Yeah. And he's like, ah, he gives me more money. It doesn't matter, you know? And then they had, like, like you could go to Home Ec and, like, buy a cheeseburger and stuff. So he, he wouldn't even eat in the lunchroom. But so it's like, you know, I'm like dude, we'll go. if you want to eat lunch room, let's eat lunch room you know he would go to a ec and we'd get cheaper Like, you know and 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 that he's still got that mentality he's just super nice, gets him in politics, he's a judge, you know, let's just don't call him a ruckus, you know, and I was like no, let's call him a ruckus, you know let's let's just fight them all, you yeah, know? yeah, I was the guy that's so like, i want to eat my cheeseburger and
0: home ec. so
1: I, yeah well I. Well, so what happened was is is they when they this is the whole football I basically got in a fight with the entire football team and um and so they uh they were doing their showers and they were in the locker room, and I pushed a locker over on top of them and started throwing these little weights down there. And anyway, so at some point, I got wrapped up in a volleyball net and beat up really bad and in the hospital. But anyway, so um, goodness, it started a war, you know. And that stuff. was in your how old? That was in ninth grade. Ninth grade.
0: Yeah. Was so. that your? That wasn't your first big fight though, or that was your first kind of big fight. That's the one that got me expelled. Like
1: pretty much okay. and, and the and the thing was, my dad was really good friends with the principal, Mr. Gordon. We're still really good friends with Mr. Gordon, and they were like, "You, he, he needs to not be here because he's going to die or something. They're going to kill him." You and know? at that point, was it friendship you were willing to die for? Yeah, because they they kept, yeah, it really bothered me and stuff. So like, I'd hit him on tennis rackets and stuff, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I'd I'd be around and they'd come around the corner and so yeah, I was I was fighting to. Well, they were too big, you know. They were they were seniors. And uh, you know, well, they were their,
0: bigger than you too then, right?
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah. They were like seniors. I, I was, I was small. I grew seven inches my senior year. I was small. Yeah, my legs. My, I had to grow five inches in my legs. And uh, my, le- I'd go to throw a side kick, and my knees would pop out and stuff. I'd just lay there hurting. My legs hurt so bad, you know. Whatever. So were you already
0: doing MMA at that point? Already training?
1: Yeah, yeah. When did uh, you start I did. training MMA? Well, it wasn't called MMA back okay. then. You just did traditional karate, you know. Okay. Wrestling when did you boxing? start that? I always did. I mean, my dad's uncles, everybody did. So, oh, it's yes. so in the family. Yeah, I just grew up doing martial arts, you know. But oh, I don't remember ever not doing really? some kind of karate. Yeah, right.
0: So, is your dad? He knew a lot of the same stuff you did.
1: Traditional karate. He did. So, yeah, this stuff didn't exist. Okay. Back then, you know, back then you did like yeah. Shotokan, Shorn Rue. Yeah, but know, he was solid, Tako. then.
0: Your dad knew his stuff.
1: Yeah, he was. A, he was a military special forces guy, huh? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
0: What part of special forces what was he in?
1: Army. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, he was a tough guy, no doubt. And okay. All his friends were tough. His friends were boxers, and like Frank was a pro boxer and stuff, you know. So.
0: See, so that's a big part of your story. That's not normative. Like, I. That's not like the all my men dad's fault. Yeah, they okay. were, they
1: were always you know, always fighting. You know, Harold always Harold was always knocking people out and. Okay. So yeah, Frank you saw that early boxer. on. Yeah.
0: Fighting was. See, for me, fighting was something I never saw. Right?
1: My granddaddy, my granddad, literally was friends with B for Pusser, and like my mom grew up playing in B for really? Pusser's yard. You know what I mean? My dad was the, my granddad was like the deputy sheriff in the. So yeah, so yeah, were, we grew up around tough people. <laughs> okay yeah so it's not yeah. like you just came from a
0: uh, family full of people who just want to like sit around and hug no, and no, never no. Like... <laughs> that's not what our family's known for
1: <laughs> no no I'm actually nice in my family I'm actually not the, I'm not the standout <laughs> I'm actually the more reasonable <laughs> in my family so uh, that's not, yeah yeah that's not no no they're tough people. yeah there's tough people so, so then
0: so. you grew up so you're in karate that's the first thing you're in that you were, in. and so what was what was the evolution of Max Bishop as far as the fighter? Like the guy that I'm talking about, that's like, Yeah, you don't like at what point did you? Were you like, I don't know if I'd mess with Max. At what point do you remember, or do you ever remember having that reputation? I mean, I'm sure you have known that's your I, reputation. And I
1: think it was that just that they, and I got a brother and stuff too. I, I just think it was that they're they like, The Bishop always are gonna fight you, you know. I don't necessarily know that anybody thought we were overly tougher like i think in our town in brownsville tennessee if people asked uh, my buddies and we're, and we're still great friends and that's the good thing i've got friends from childhood that were like the guys i go to colorado Oil on every year we've been the best friends since ninth grade
0: well yeah dude because you took you up know? for them and you fought for them
1: right literally yeah but uh in our town in brownsville i think growing up uh, travis and galen baggett which was our they were our age they were the tougher two brothers because they were bigger than everybody else and stronger and uh and me and Travis would beat the fire out of Galen. Then me and Galen would beat up Travis, and Travis and Galen would beat up me. And then we'd all beat up my little brother. Lord bless his little heart. Yeah, uh, where's but, uh, he at now? My brother is a freaking multi-millionaire in Atlanta, Georgia. On this place called Classic Collisions, they got like 50 of them. They make like over a million dollars a month per <laughs> building. And uh, so, if it, you want to yeah. become a
0: millionaire, <laughs> you just need to grow up being beat up by
1: Max and. His buddies. I, I apparently so. Apparently, I'm the only one that ended like, up. Man, broke. if I can
0: survive that, I can do anything. Yeah.
1: I think that's. Now, my brother was really smart. He was when we were like 12 or 13. He was like, I want to marry a really rich girl, and just shortcut it. And then, he took that really drive, hard work ethic. I think they were they were wealthy, when my brother got married to her and took over the business. And then he ran with it. I think they had like five of those shops, and now they got like 50 of those shops. Goodness. My brother runs along, because my brother doesn't sleep. So he's he doing just, well. He never sleeps. He's always working. He's always got businesses going. As driven as I was in martial arts, he was like, that's how much money I'm going to make. very
0: hardworking family.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a he, big deal. He, he's, he's constantly working and making money. He's just now, you know, I'm 54, he's 52. He's just now settling down to where he's taking any time to relax or enjoy life. I mean, I, I think he literally gets four or five hours of sleep per day. He was Mr. Atlanta three years in a row. Um, Mr. Atlanta? Weightlifting, weightlifting, like oh, okay. bodybuilding, okay. whatever. Yeah, so he was really into that, and he—he's very driven and very focused. But his focus was on, like he, like he. I remember, like our dad, you know, had us training. Dad was constantly fighting with us, and was was, you know, by most, like he'd go to jail now. But in most standards, he was probably pretty tough on us. You know, he wanted his boys to be real tough. <clears throat> and so when he died, um, you know, Brandon quit training, and and I didn't, and uh, but he did. And he was like. I think it's really stupid to go get beat up five days a week just in case somebody might not beat you up once a year. He's like, I'll just take my beating once a year and be done with this, you know. Um, but he's, he's tough, so it'd be hard to beat him. But, um, but yeah, he was like, yeah, I don't see the point. But I remember, and again, I never did finish my story, so in ninth grade when I moved to this uh, all-white preppy school yeah. and people, they weren't really meaning to fight, and I didn't understand that. It took me a while to understand that. They were meaning to talk. Like, I'm going to just talk and tell you how tough I am, or I'm going to talk and scare you, or I'm just, well, I'm bigger than you, so you're supposed to leave. And they had that mentality, and I had never been exposed to that mentality. I was still in that. If you grab me, if you touch me, we're fixing to fight to the death kind of, you know, and all your buddies are fixing to jump on me, and I'm not going to fight just you. I know Six or seven of your friends are fixing to jump on here too, so I better get my shots in quick. And that's not the reality that I had. That's not the reality of how it was, but that's the reality of how I was used to and what I had grown up with and seen it. And, uh, and so anyway, I was going in there, and, and he come up and just pushed me out of the way. As it, right when I was, it was my turn to go into the lunch line. And he shows me out of the way, and him and his buddies come up there, and I see him with a lunch tray, you know, like across the back of the head. Well, everybody fix it. Well, it turns out, in that school, it's called senior privilege, and the seniors can cut in line in front of the ninth graders. You if can't. you just anymore.
0: would have been told the rules, man.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. So it caused a problem. Communication. It did cause a problem. And that perhaps was my fault because I just thought he just shoved me out, which he shouldn't have shoved me out of the way. And he should have said something about, hey, senior privilege, something. Gave me a clue. He just shoved me out of the way, which they were used to doing because they were football players and they were seniors. And I was a little bit ninth grader. But I wasn't used to being shoved out of the way and not fighting. So sure. that, and it's my first day of school. And you know, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go in there. And the first day of school, I'm going to be like a punk. you know? So anyway, so then uh, I seen him in the bathroom. And i like, well, he's going to jump me for sure. And he's going to beat me up in this bathroom. There's nobody to stop him from beating me up. He was peeing. He didn't see me. So I just shoved him into the urinal real fast. And he hit his head and it knocked him out and he peed on himself. And that really caused some problems. And he was yeah, really mad after right. that. <laughs> Look at
0: Bill. Bill's engaged over there. Usually Bill's over there in his own world, but even yeah. he's looking up, trying to be like, what's so, going to happen
1: next? So, anyway, so then they did, then him and his buddies did one of them. And so that was perhaps my fault, too. But again, I assumed, I really did in my mind think he's going to try. It could around. have been the urinal's fault. But I don't know, but I was like, he's going to see me when he turns around and sees me, he's going to beat the crap out of me because he could have. He was way bigger, way stronger, you know. And so I just thought I'd get there first for the most, you know, <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, which it, that did work out for me. But anyway, so that caused a, that caused issues. But I remember so when they were doing the fight, I remember sc- clearly going up there and uh, in in the hallway. They had a senior hallway, and so if you weren't a senior, you couldn't go down this hallway. And they were all sitting in there, and I would go down that hallway, and um, and so they tried something. And I said, you know, because I was going to martial arts classes and stuff, and I and I told him I said. I pay somebody to beat me up every night that's what I like to do. I will be here every morning at seven forty five and we'll fight every morning until you let me walk and so after the third morning of me going there, they let me walk down that hallway because i'm like i'm gonna be here every morning coming down your hallway, and so then they start leaving me alone you know, but you know, but there was no need in hindsight there's no need for me to do all that, sure in hindsight I should- it's senior privilege and every senior yeah when I was a senior, I could have cut in front of the ninth grader, so it was yeah. fair. It's a stupid rule. The school shouldn't have had that rule. Yeah, but I understand it, but I didn't understand it. Yeah. And then I shouldn't have assumed that he was going to jump me in the bathroom because he was. But he said he would. They said they were. I sure. mean, they did, had they had spread the word. It had got to me that sure. we are going to catch you. But they were mouthing. They didn't really mean it. Yeah. But I felt like they meant it because where I came from, they meant it. Yeah. And they were going to catch you in the bathroom and they were going to beat you half to death. You know. Yeah, man. And I had been caught in the bathroom before. People don't understand. I had been caught in the bathroom before by a group of people when I was in Tennessee, and they had beat me until I went to the hospital. You know what I mean? So they didn't understand that. You know that I had been, I had been hurt really bad. Yeah. So okay, I wasn't happening again. I wasn't going through that again. You know, I was going to. Absolutely. I, I, I was. I felt like I was yeah. fighting for my life. Sure, they man. They thought they were mouthing. Yeah. And so we were on different wavelengths and stuff. And the same thing. You know, with with a hallway. No, no, no. You know, it's their it's their hallways so where the seniors hang out and they get to talking. That's their, their privilege, and that's just a thing that the school had worked. Out. And it was a little bitty hallway, and it was, and there was plenty of hallways that went around it. There was no need to, but I just could not take them to, If they just said, "Hey, you know, it's senior privilege." You know, as an adult, you know, like, hey, this is the rules and this is what we're doing. But they were like, we're not going to allow you to walk down this hallway. And I'm like, you're not going to stop me from doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a teacher telling me that. Yeah, the senior privilege, I think a lot of those senior privileges was not made up necessarily by the school board. It's just a tradition that had been handed down from student to student as time went on, you know. Yeah. Because it wasn't like a teacher standing there going, hey, you know, you're in you're ninth grade. You can't come down this hall. It wasn't like that. It's a bunch of football jocks sitting around with their girlfriends telling you you couldn't come down this hallway. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, too, you have to understand I had no respect for them because where I grew up in Brownsville, Tennessee, it's all black. We went to state every freaking year. You know what I mean? Like some of our seniors are 22 years old or something. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) they've been in fourth grade until they were 18, you know. So we won all the time. Our team was like, you know, it's still Haywood County Tomcats. They don't lose hardly ever, you know. They're, they're bad yeah this thing I was there I was at that school for four years I never won a game yeah. you know because they're we had like 1500 people in my senior class some ridiculous numbers a huge school they're all white kids they can't so they're playing these big schools we, yeah. we played homecoming every game because somebody picked us for homecoming somebody's homecoming because she knew he was gonna lose you know, like, well, you guys are not real football players. You guys are just, like, the white kids that want to be football players.
0: It's like you can be arrogant if you're really good, but. Right, they, it, yeah, I was like, y'all have never won need, a game. Yeah.
1: Like, like, a pep rally? Why? Why even have one? We all know you're going to lose. You know, like, you're not even a cool. Uh, you know, that's why I started, I started wrestling because, you know, you had weight, you know, wrestling's a white guy's game with weight divisions. You can play that, you know. You can't, you know. I remember, and I wasn't even being, like, I'm not. You know, wasn't being prejudiced, wasn't being a smart ass or nothing like that. But, like, when I moved there, <clears throat> they, they were telling me about their sports. And, you know, like when you sign up for what all you want to do in the school and the curriculums and what language. And, and the guy, he was dead serious. He goes, he goes, well, do you play basketball? And I went, I'm not, I'm not black. Like, I was like, because in my town, <laughs> if you're, you don't – in Brownsville, Tennessee, you don't play basketball if you're white. You I mean, a you might world. play with your buddies in your yard. You don't go for the team. Those guys are six five. They're going to the NBA, you know. Yeah. Like Tony Delk and them. Those, those. That's the people that come from Brownsville. You know, you don't. You yeah, it's a different world. <laughs> yeah. It's a different world. Oh yeah, you know, because I was like at that time I was five three in white. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to NBA. Yeah, I'm five three in white. No, I'm not. I don't be on your basketball team. <laughs> you then knew after enough, I seen yeah. him, I was like, yeah, I could have been on your team because <laughs> your team is horrible. But I didn't understand that reality.
0: I want to piece together how you became the man that we know as Max Bishop so you're in karate you're fighting early on you're from a family that is all about hard work and um, yeah believe in whatever it is you believe in like be willing to die for it like those are all like that's a mentality it's a little bit of the culture you're growing up in
1: yeah we there's a we did an article and my, my cousin every now and then she'll post it but there was like nine, my grandfather had like nine brothers and they all went into World War II and they all got like um, so they were on the paper because there was like nine of them and all of them went in there and they all got like decorated and stuff. So when they come back, there's an article with all their pictures and stuff, you know, and wow. one of them, like one of them, uncle Thomas or where he got shot through the throat, he was uh, driving in a tank and the bullet went through his throat. So he never could really talk right. He had one of them things you hold to your throat, and rah, 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 you know, and stuff, but anyway, but they were all, you know, just tough guys. Let's go to the army fight for America. Hoorah. And you mentality. went to the
0: military. Yeah. Was that right after high school?
1: Yeah. I got signed up uh, my junior year. What did you, what, what, branch? Where were you in? I was a bomb specialist. I wanted to blow stuff up. Yeah. yeah I, so.
0: I don't know where that would come from. So, that's surprising. So, you went to blow stuff up. You yeah, so joined.
1: I, I went into the EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. So, then I got it signed to the technicals because I just kept volunteering for stuff because I was like, let's go blow And this is what up. year, by the way, of your? In 85. 85. Okay. So, um, anyway, so I got in the technical security division with the Secret Service. And um, got to travel around with, like, Reagan and Bush and them. Like, I think uh, one year I was gone with, Hang
0: on, you got to travel around with Reagan and
1: Bush. You just threw that out there like, yeah, I had a yeah. cheeseburger. It was fun because, like, um, like with, when Bush ran the original Bush, um, I was going to TDY 343 days out of that year. Out of 365, I was TDY attached to him for 343 days. So if he stayed in the Adams Mark Hotel, like, if he was on the 20th floor, we got the whole 19th floor by ourselves, like me and two other guys. Hang on a second. How in the world I
0: got to rewind the story? So, you're how did you get there? Because I was a bomb guy. Somebody's there's a lot them. of bomb guys, right? No, oh,
1: there's, <laughs> no, not there's not a lot of bomb guys. Not a job that a lot of people sign up for. Like, let's go. Let, who wants to sign up for disarming bombs? Yeah, okay, not a whole lot of people okay. raise your hand. It's pretty small group. <laughs> All right, it's not a whole lot to pick from. Did, no. <laughs> but did, did, did any of your
0: fi- did any of your mixed martial arts or that stuff come into play at this point, or was it just your job description they were looking
1: at? Yeah, just job description. Okay. Now, pretty much any way it would volunteer to do it. Like if you want to be the one, but it's like I said, like so say, what would you do? You would. Oh, like uh, it's. Um, well, like if there was like something legit, then you have something legit to do. But the majority of the time it's absolutely insanity that anybody would sign up for because like say, say for example, you go into the uh, president's room and you're going to, so like, so Reagan's going to sleep in this hotel room. You got to check out this hotel room for bombs. So you go in there and you, you turn on every button, you flip on every light switch, you turn on the TV, you jump up and down on the bed, anything that could possibly set off a bomb. You just do that. <laughs> yeah. Now there's some other technical Once stuff. Once again, you're willing
0: to die for what you believe in.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of technical stuff that we actually did, but then it gets down to at some point, whoever wants to go in there and see if they see if they actually did blow try to blow him up you go find out first and not a lot of people who raise your hand for that it's not really that hard of a job to get if you're if you're smart enough to actually disarm a bomb if you find one and you're willing to do it you can pretty much you can pretty much have that job
0: yeah it sounded, so why did you want to do it it sounded really
1: cool like the, like literally like being I, possibly I, I blown it. up no that's not that's not how it came out. so so, you know, I did really good on like the ASVAB test so I can be anything I want. So all, here are all the recruiters come. Okay. They want to sign up. And so the Air Force guys come. And my dad, you know, my dad's hardcore Army, you know, Special okay. Forces. You could have been a Marine. He would have been cool with the Marines. But the Air Force is like, he's like, that's not really the Army. That's not the military. That's, that's civilians. You know, that's, no, you know. <laughs> You're too tough for that. You're a bishop. Yeah. We're not we're good. <laughs> you well,
0: you'll be kicked out of the family if you go Air Force.
1: Because, yeah, I'm, yeah. And it's a nothing against Air Force guys. I got a buddy who's in the Air Force, and he was a paramedic, and those guys are tough dudes, you yeah. know. So there's job, But a lot of them, it's like they work 9 to 5, and they're off. And, and the promotions are really slow in the Air Force because nobody gets out because like, it is like a civilian job, and uh, and they're they're pretty lax with you. So, but the guy was like, this is going to be a really easy job. This is really nice. This is, really, this is like, you're, you know when You get off for the day, you're off for the day. And like, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for a challenge. I was looking for t- I wanted I wanted somebody to go like, you know, you're 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 a badass. Yeah. But then the Marine guy come and he's like, Oh, we'll make you a badass and we're the toughest and we're the and I'm like, and and so I was so cocky back then, believe it or not. And uh I was like, dude, I'll whoop you in my front yard right now. I was like I was like, if you're a Marine a recruiter? You're right. yeah. I was like, I will fight you right now in the yard. And he wouldn't do it and I was like I will be. I can be, I can don't need you to make me tougher. I can whoop you right now. So you didn't even
0: like this idea of him being like, I can make you more of
1: a man than you are. And, yeah, he was you know. talking about, if you're a Marine, you're the toughest. You're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll beat you up right now. Today. Now. It was a freaking high school. And I was a junior in high school. Like, I don't time. need the Marines to make me tough, is what you're saying. Not that guy. Yeah. There's yeah. some tough Marines. Yeah. Not that guy. Yeah. I could just tell. Like, he was not. He was like... It's like, I'll beat you to death right here in my yard. And I was like, I told him, I said, if you if you can beat me up, I will sign your papers. And he wouldn't do it. And I was like, so you're backing out now. I don't need you. So anyway, he, me and him just didn't g haw that yeah. particular. Because he just was just too arrogant and then he wouldn't back it up. You can be as arrogant as you want if you'll back it up. And I don't care. I'll I'll probably like you. You know, because I like that alpha type. I don't like people that are, like, scared and timid. You know, yeah. I already know we're not going to get along. I'm going to somehow offend you or something. So if you have that. Alpha mentality, but if you if you want to act like you're alpha and tell me how bad you are and you're not going to back it up, then I instantly do do not. That's, you're the worst in the world to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he's he's reading paperwork. This is what the Marines told him to say. You know. This, we're going to make this, you know, and I'm like, no, yeah you're, you're not backing it He's up. He's
0: the opposite of what you said. If I want someone who will die for something. And, and, and here's be the been. thing
1: is, too, is I, is, is I am – I am at certain things, I'm dumb as anybody, but at certain things, I'm smart. And if you look at, like, the, the history of World War Two, for example, that's what I tell people – Okay, so let's like, say you're fighting the Japanese, and the Japanese are going to die. You, you're not going to beat them. You're going to have to kill them all. That's why you eventually they're like, let's sure. just drop a nuke on them because you're you're going to have to kill every single they're one gonna of them. They're going to keep fighting. Yeah. You know, if you look, if you read any of the historical accounts written by people, soldiers, not by a writer, all the historical accounts by the soldiers that were say on Okinawa, and they're saying from their point of view what they saw. They're constantly like, we cannot believe how these guys will fight. We cannot believe how mm-hmm. they're coming to the death. You know, they had a deal. They were talking about one of the soldiers that fought there and I always respected Japanese culture and stuff and what they, and what they did. You know, I did a lot of Japanese martial arts, but, but, but fighting wise, they're just such a strong part. People at that time period, you know, we pretty much killed off all the warriors and, mm-hmm. and then like the weaker ones took over business people. It's a different mentality now, but at that time frame, um, before we bombed all the, all the warriors, they were all willing to die. But so like, Say, you know, you had the Marines were sitting down and they were all bedded down here and there's a hill over here and they need to get their mortars up where they can rain these mortars down on top of these these American Marines. There's an open field here. They would take like 10 Japanese guys would get their packs on and get their guns on and just charge the Marines in the foxholes shooting at them and and shooting knee mortars at them, knowing that those 10 are going to die so that two or three more would try to run across to get to that ridge. So you had to shoot at the ones running at you, or they were going to run and get in the hole with you and kill you. But if you didn't shoot at the ones behind and didn't shoot at the ones running at you, the ones behind you would get on the ridge, and, and, and then they would get the position to shoot down on you. And the Japanese, those 10 were willing to come and do that and just run across that field to take as many and draw your fire so that his buddies could run over there to kill you later. And so there, there they're like, these people are crazy. You know what I mean? So that that, that Japanese mentality of of how to how to fight like that was so so dominant. Yeah, you you respect that, and so you didn't see that in the Marine recruiter. So then what? He he wasn't that he wasn't that though. Right. So then where did you go after that point? Well, the Army guys. uh, Well, then the Navy. Nothing wrong with the Navy. And the Navy. I, I would tell anybody if you the Navy gets like at the time frame i was in there they got all the coolest stuff all the best gear yeah, they treated you with the best respect but you got to be out there on water or you're under a submarine yeah,
0: like no thank you
1: and I, I just you know the whole shark deal and you know i was like i don't know you know and and it sounds cool but then it, if you go back in reality like you're on a you're on a really small space you know not even seeing land and you know where to go you're trapped yeah. So you're not I mean if, if a fight is you're really if, if a fight breaks out, it's a matter of if you're gonna drown or swim or you're shooting some guns or your ship, keeping your ship running. You're not you're not gonna be in like hand to hand combat yeah. too much. Yeah. So
0: navy's I mean? out of the picture for you. Right. Marines are out of the picture. Yeah, just, so because, just air but, force is
1: out of the picture. Yeah. So the army guy was like, We're gonna give you this bonus money, we're gonna teach you how to do bombs. Um, we're gonna you know, um, and it was like six, six or $7,000 bonus for signing up yeah. for the, with them, So they, he, you know, and you can do this and you can do this. And, you know, if you qualify, if you do good, you know, you can get on these special teams. And, you know, it, was, it, it seemed like a more laid out, more organized. And it was like, if you don't succeed with this, then you're not going to get to do that. But if you do that, then you'll get to do this, you know. It seemed like a more just reality, you know. Yeah, I felt like he was... Um, being straight with me, and he's like, yeah. you know, you know, if you you got to complete this school, and he's like, this school is gonna be hard. If you do this school, then you'll go to your unit, and if you do get in your unit, you get to go to this school,
0: and you know. So what all did you, What was that progression like once you went in the army? You went to basic, and then
1: you go to basic, and then you go to AIT, and then uh, once you go to AIT and get your basics of how not to get blown up, then they send you to an actual unit, and then you work there for like a year, year and a half, and then if you're doing well, you get to go to the next school, and then you just. Progressive, progressive that way, you know. So, okay. I just seemed to like a lot more. Um, and, it, and, our, and our unit was fun. it was good because there's like, like usually ten people assigned to our unit total, and then you know, two, three of them at all times are gone. You know, T.D.Y. somewhere they're attached to. You know, anybody that ran for president or was president, or any kind of bomb thing, anything's going. So, so there's probably never more than four or five of you, and on any given day, at any given time period in your entire unit, on your on the entire base and everybody's like, somebody's got to be on the phone 24 seven. So somebody's doing that, you know, so like just pretty lax, you know, other than somebody's trying to blow you up or you're stopping somebody from getting blown up. But other than that, is this kind
0: of like secret service work in some ways. Well, it's a technical
1: security division, real secret service. People deal with like counterfeit, just the treasury department. And so, you know, they, they do a lot of desk work and a lot of paperwork. Um, but then you got—they got a team that goes directly Jumps on with beds them. and things like that. Well, see, that's that's us, and we're yeah. attached to them, and they tell us to do it. they' I think they're smart enough not to have to do any of that stuff themselves. So they attach us to them, and they give us fancy suits. And oh, so you had a suit? Oh yeah, yeah. I had to grow my hair out longer. They don't want you to—they don't want nobody to know you're in the military. You know, really? they you don't look like a civilian. Yeah, so they give us a Donors Club card to use to charge everything, so that people don't know that you're military or nothing
0: man that's awesome what are you what are you is there anything that legally you're allowed to tell me about your experience that'd be a cool story and then what's a gray area or maybe you're like i'm not sure i
1: should tell you this but you're willing to tell me anyway anything from those <laughs> days
0: that's what <laughs> i want to know
1: Nah, I, I i just try not to talk too much about it. i don't know it's well i like to talk about the funny stuff like the stuff that that was just like boring or didn't happen that you know <laughs> You know, that, that's. I think those are more entertaining than the yeah, yeah. than a few times that we had. Were you ever deployed? Something. No, ours is all, all is all domestic. Like okay. we did, like we like did repelling on building tops. You know, like in you know helicopters to, to rooftops and stuff. We were all more. If something happens inside of a city, they do have they do have uh, um, different teams. But like it, it, say like if you're you say you go to um, like Iraq. And there's bombs over there. They use combat engineers, and those combat engineers mm-hmm. go out there. And there is EOD people over there that are obviously dishonest, but usually a you know, different group because it's not – This what I did was like if somebody built a bomb to blow up a particular person, you know.
0: Yeah. You could
1: I'm, do the – we went to school to do the other ones, But sure. I, I kind of wanted to do the – Yeah, yeah. You know. So, and there were some guys, like we had Sergeant Gilliland. Now, he was like way above me. He was super cool. Um, I didn't like him at all. But – is because he was so technical and so smart and like had a photographic memory and remembered all the mm-hmm. regs and was always throwing that crap in your face and trying to make me do what you're supposed to do, which is really annoying. And uh, he, was, uh, he did improvised nuclear devices. And so he would, he was his, his security clearance was so high he didn't have to tell our boss where he was going, what he was doing, when he's being back, nothing. They he would get, they would they would he would get papers. They would you know they'd send him in to the security deal. He he'd have to go pick them up because nobody else could sign for him. He didn't he could, if he wanted to go if he wanted to grab a chick and go to the Bahamas, and not come back for two months, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have, there's nothing they could do about it, you know. But he would get his little deal and he would load up and he'd be gone and they would be really like they have no clue if he's coming back in two hours or two months. I always thought that was super cool because he didn't have to, like with me, like I, my boss always knew, yeah. like I, you know, like, yeah. like I, he, usually cause they didn't want to go, they didn't want to do it. I want to interview the guy, the, all
0: the bosses that you had in your life and just say, what was it like to be Max Bishop's boss and tell him what to do? It was annoying. I'm sure. <laughs> so once you, how long were you in the army for? Six. Okay. And then you came out of the army
1: and then where did you go from there? Well, um, I went to work for uh, the Mark Lippman division of Guardsmark, which is a Fortune 500 company. But anyway, they, they had me working undercover doing some like um, you can hire them. You can hire that company to find out any information you want about anything you want, and then they will give you that information. So like if hypothetically, but not I'm just I'm just throwing this out here. Sure. Hypothetically. Complete hypothetical completely hypothetically, but let's say, hypothetically, you are the major drug guy running drugs into Chicago. And somehow, a bunch of drugs start coming in from Michigan that are not, they're not yours. And you're not understanding how they're getting there. You could hire them, for example, to hypothetically track down sugar gum base was being filled with cocaine in uh, Central America. And then that was being shipped and marked into Tennessee, and then sent to the Bobo factory in Holland, Michigan. And then they would take the shipment that had the cocaine mixed into the sugar gum base, melt it down, the cocaine would come out, and you could take it across the water into um, the Great Lakes into Chicago. And that you could pay somebody to go find out all that information. And then they wouldn't go the, with the information to the police or do anything to stop that. They would just give that information to the person that paid them to get that information and they could do with whatever they wanted to do with that information and you could leave. So that's the kind of company I work for. Not that I was that guy or nothing. I'm just saying. Sure, hypothetically. Hypothetically, that would be what you would hire them for.
0: How much money would it take for me to pay you to tell me, to get all the information I need on this guy
1: over here? <laughs> man, I'm just a mule rider nowadays. I don't even try to find nothing out. about nobody. Oh, man, I don't want to know nothing a, about anybody Yeah, anymore. I understand.
0: The more information you know, the more headache, right? More problems. Um, so, all right. Are you still training at this point? Like, what are you doing? Because like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking I'm, at
1: your... I mostly it, do the mules and stuff anymore. Well,
0: No, I, I mean in that part of your story. Sorry. In that part of your story, whenever you're doing all the... Oh, I was training all the time. Yeah, okay, you're training all the time.
1: Yeah. So, because I'm looking on here, Gene LaBelle.
0: Gene is the boss. You,
1: did, okay. Gene's did you actually know him? Gene's my coach, man. He's the main guy. He said that's where I got my rank and belts and stuff from. Gene and Gokor took over for him. He's a big him. deal.
0: Gene LaBelle is the I bomb, it, man. I was just listening to a so Joe
1: Rogan experience of the day, and he was p- on. People, people, are like, you know, Chuck and Chuck Norris is an awesome guy. He's a cool guy, great guy, uh, ultimate martial arts. You know uh, of Chuck Norris? No, I, I, yeah, he, but so he's got a black belt from Gene also. Okay, but so, but here's the thing. That's why some people like, but Chuck Norris calls Gene Sir. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like like if you ask Chuck Norris, he's scared of Gene Labelle. You know Which I mean? by the way, if you're listening to this, just Google Gene Labelle. Oh, he's G, the baddest uh, G-E-N-E dude. Yeah, G E
0: N E and Label is L E B E L L. Just so you have some context for whatever
1: Let me whatever tell you some cool like, yeah. not only is he like the baddest dude ever, like he's never beat. He's like, old now, right? <laughs> oh he's, yeah, he's real old. But he still teaches, he still goes to go course okay. and stuff some and stuff and hangs out. But anyway. Huge influence. I mean, he's hurt me so bad. Oh my god, seriously. Oh my god, he's so strong. Oh. How did you? Before you tell these stories, how he'll did make you, you find cry. Like him? he, he would, like it, like some people think I'm frail. He'll make me cry like a kindergartner. Seriously. Oh my god, it's, he can just grab you and just squeeze you with his hand and your bones in your. He doesn't have to do anything. He can just grab your wrist and start crushing the bones in your arm. You know, like he doesn't have to do. He's it's Zemo Bell. Well, how a did beast. you get? How did you? Did it, could anybody
0: just walk up to? Because he's a big deal. He's like in Hollywood. He trained Bruce Lee. Like. How did you just like get connected with Gene LaBelle? No, I, like, I, like, I, I was good enough. enough to be a student. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like so. So and, how did you become good enough? Like did he? Did I you could, have to I, go through an assessment? And he'd be like, okay, all right, Max, you can come in. Like how'd that work? I,
1: I how did he I know was, that you I were was, good was, enough? No, yeah, I, I was good enough, but I was good enough. you rumor. Okay, so your reputation. No, I, come yeah, I, I didn't. No, I, I. mean, yeah, I was good enough. So okay, that, yeah. I am that good. I'm sure. you know, I'm good enough to catch his attention and, okay. and be. be I, I mean, I can call him Uncle Gene. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like uh, you're I'm, one of the guys that call him Uncle Gene. Oh. Yeah, I'm an Uncle Gene guy. So yeah, I'm that. I'm good enough to do that. And GoCore, you, t- you know, he, me and him are. You know, me and him are super tight. He's like my brother, and he really? took over Gene LaBelle's deal you know okay. i mean he's and he's, Gokor, by the way
0: g-o-k-o-r for those who don't know him don't have a reference g-o-k-o-r yeah he's like considered one of the greatest grapplers of all time
1: yeah for sure that's not an
0: exaggeration that's true right that's, yeah, he's
1: world champion yeah okay yeah so gene labelle yeah because if you wanted to be tough and you wanted to grapple and, and like i wanted to be one of the toughest people around i wanted to train with the best people yeah you know if you're going to be the best you got to train with the best and you're howled right. at this point whenever you get connected up there 18, 19, okay. I guess. Wow. So you're still super young. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, I was in the military and yep. and stuff. So like, I mean, if you're like running around guarding a president, you can get, you know, people will let you train with them. You know what I mean? You, they give you like these credentials. It's pretty good on your resume. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, they, you, they, get, they actually give you like credentials as like t- technical security vision. And so like when you're visiting these towns, because you, you get there like three or four days before the president does, and you walk into the best school in town and you go, hey, I'm here with Reagan. I'm gonna train, you know, while I'm here, because you know you only you only work so many hours a day, and you got all the time. They're all glad to help you train with you, and they want to say that they're helping train the Secret Service and stuff. So they're gonna give you the best information possible, and then and like, you get to spar with them and fight with them and train with them, and you know it is a. I mean that is a perk of the job is that you can. The funny thing, the funny perks that I always took – like people want like the cool stuff, the funny stuff to me was like. Like we would be completely lying, completely. Like it was never going to happen. We'd go to like the best restaurants in town and say that Reagan was like or Bush was considering eating there, and we wanted to try out the food. No. We'd walk through their kitchen, get, go in there, and we and we'd go in there and we incredible. Get, and we'd get like some kind of hot reporter that was wanting to find someone like some like cause a lot of times they do those talks at like a college campus or yeah. something, you know? And so they and we don't know shit. We don't know. They don't know. We don't know. Yeah, who knows sure. Who knows what we know? You just got a nice suit on and you got the card. And we and got an earpiece, like... man. That's all we needed. You know what I mean? And they don't have to even be plugged in. You know, the chicks dig it, you know? And so we would go to these restaurants and eat whatever we want and dine these girls out and stuff. And he was never going there. It's never going to happen. Just got some good food. Yeah. And they didn't know. So we, we'd go get on airplanes and like I would just be on leave, I'd be off for the weekend. And we would just get, like, just go to, go, we could not even get, like, we'd just go look at, the, me and my, like, one of my buddies, instead of, like, going out to town, because we, we were, like, uh, I was stationed just outside of D.C. in in Maryland. We would just go, like, to, to the airport there and just look, you know, like, where do we want to go? And then just walk on there and, like, bump people out of their seats and shit. They don't know. They would think yeah. it was, like, an, a national emergency, you know. So, all right, back to LeGene Bell. So you stuff. get
0: connected to him. And how long were you with Gene LaBelle? Like I'm still like, with Gene LaBelle. You're still, you see, do y'all talk? Yeah, Jean's.
1: yeah, and Gokor, I talk to Gokor probably every other week. Seriously? Steel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's what I like that, Is that where
0: your game went to that, the next level? Yeah, that, yeah. Your Gene sure. or Gokor just both were equally, yep. like, both of those guys are equal as far as the training they gave you and the influence on yeah. your
1: fighting? Gene is um, meaner. Really? You know, super nice guy, but to talk to but like when he like he hurt like he hurts. Like he like it it hurts.
0: Yeah, I watched some videos on YouTube. I, let me tell you yeah. something.
1: One time <clears throat> and I and at this time I was fighting, um, I was in good shape, everything everything I was as good as I ever was physically. And so and Gene was old then. You know, he's old now, but he was he was still old then, I would mm-hmm. say, you know, he had to be. Shut late 50s 60s at okay. least you know yeah. at that time I sure. considered him old it's my age now but yeah. the, <laughs> but but at the time I considered him be you know he looked old and you know of course he's had a rough life and stuff like that too so I mean he's scarred up yeah, and he's, he's aged yeah he's a stunt man. you know what I mean yeah. so he's been you know Gene LaBelle is the guy who jumps to General Lee he's actually the guy in the General Lee he's the dude he's the guy it's not Bo Duke it's you've got Gene his phone, you got his phone number yeah so it's Jean LaBelle is the guy jumping the general. Isn't league. that nuts? That's right. So, anyways, so anyway, we were talking about some kind of submissions, and with a, with a, they call it a kimura in Brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever. But you know, like Jean says, well, was it wasn't called a kimura when we showed them. You know, and So in catch wrestling, it's a double wrist lock. <clears throat> anyway, so it puts your arm to the back of your head, basically. And so I asked him about this series. And so I was asking some of the some of the guys, which are all in the UFC and stuff now, like Roman and, uh Manny uh, Gambier, and Carl Parisian, and and um, and Corin, Darren Bugan. So it's those guys and me. And it's like the five of us sitting there, and they go, "Hey, you should ask. You should ask Gene." Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> and it was a bad deal. It was a bad. They screwed me over good. So, anyways. <laughs> So I asked him for and at the time, I'm not sweating at all like i'm 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 warmed up, but I'm not sweating. I'm completely normal. He starts putting me in submission holds for like it seemed like two days, but it was about forty five minutes of just like a thousand submissions, one after the other. and so I was a couple of times I had to go like um, you know, uh, since gene my arm's breaking if you. If it matters in your story or in your actually, expl- cause he's explaining to everybody using me when, and I didn't, we not I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. It's just him doing things to me, showing people, talking to everybody, explaining what he's doing. And he's the other four he's explaining to them, using my body when he finally lets me go, there is a puddle of sweat an inch deep. And it's not from working out. It's just from sheer pain going through. <laughs> it's just curious. sheer pain. I'm telling you, you could just slap the mat and it would splash. And it's just from how bad I hurt. You know, so like I said, if you, he will answer any question you want if you're tough enough to handle the answer, <laughs> I
0: promise you. <laughs> I watched YouTube videos of him last night. And honestly, like there's guys like, you know, like in their 20s, Jack and they're in his class, and he's just like, Oh, time, top let me come show you how to do it. And you can tell when he starts walking over there.
1: They're scared. And they're
0: scared. They're legitimately scared. He's like, I'm not going to. And he'll, he'll say it every time, I'm not going to hurt you. But you still. Oh, he's lying, they're, they're, though. Yeah, they're antsy. But he's lying. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to show you how to, how to put He this. doesn't know how
1: strong he is. Like, he doesn't know. He doesn't. I don't think. Uh, it, it's like this How light would a silverback gorilla have to squeeze you? Sure. Like, he's thinking, because he's thinking that you're a gorilla too. He doesn't understand that we're not gorillas too. <laughs> I, I really believe that. I don't think it's like a mean uh, He is a little sadistic. I think everybody knows that. And you know? were with him for how long?
0: Uh, like, were you, like, actually, were you, like, there with him physically for how long?
1: I, I didn't go, to, I didn't live out there in California. Okay. I just do seminars. I just you traveled around seminars. with him. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Either he would come here, or I'd go there. That's I'd excellent. go out there and stay, like, two or three weeks. And same at thing time. with Gokor. Yeah. I just go out there. Like, I, I stay at Gokor's house. Okay. okay.
0: So when did you become Black Belt in. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.
1: In which one? Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, so there's more than one. There's. What are you yeah. black belt in? Well, like I said, the main one that I like is the highest end with okay. go quarantine and stuff, you know. So, but. And you're what level or what level were you? Well, how? why does it matter? Because it's incredible. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm well known. Yeah, I'm man, that's awesome. Of, I'm respected. You've worked really hard for that. Yeah, but it's like. Now I'd ride mules, you know, so So, yeah. so, so. I don't really, but yeah, I, like if I wanted, if I called them up right now and I told them I wanted to promote you to black belt, they would go, okay. And they would send you a certificate. I mean, cause they would know I wouldn't do that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be awesome if you did though. But I'm just saying like, uh, yeah. I, I, they, yeah, they were, they were, if I said that you're black belt level, they would, they would not even question it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm high enough rank to do that. Yeah, but I wouldn't do that. But I'm just saying they know sure. It. That's why they I they respect do that. you. Yeah, I want but to. Talk. I have done that to some people, like it with Alan Belcher. You know, like he, you know, he trained me I, I, like he didn't have to go test. I just said, you know, he's a black well and they gave it to him. You know,
0: that's excellent. So you did that for a while. I want to talk about mules before you before we leave. That's okay, but it's you. Um, you did fight
1: professionally, or you did not ever fight professionally? We, not, before I got my neck broke, they, they didn't keep all the cards and stuff that because I got that was in. See, my daughter was like two, and she's 24. So about 22 years ago. So when we were doing it, it was like it wasn't really like you were a pro, and just everybody fought everybody. Okay. And you, and it was more like you bet money, you know, or you get the, you know, prize and stuff. So, um, you know, when I, I was when my neck got broke, I was paralyzed completely for like four years on my left side, and Goodness. then that's I started getting that back. So that kind of kind of shot my ability. It was harder for me because I always like to be the guy. Absolutely. So then I had to focus on coaching versus fighting. And then so a lot of my – I have a lot of guys that were pro guys that trained under me. And we So we, we produced a lot of pro fighters. But uh, that come after – like I said, when I, we were doing it originally. They called it No Holds Barred. And then it went to MMA. So by the time it came around to where it was officially MMA, and, and I already had my neck broke by then.
0: So <clears> – <throat> Last two questions around fighting. This is from Trevor Anderson, and so was one of your students. He wanted to know one um, wanted you to talk about what's your toughest fight. Like what was the time, or maybe you were like, man, like I've got all that I, would, I need and want here. And then two, he wants to know who's your best fighter that you've personally trained here in Northeast Arkansas or a couple of best fighters. I mean,
1: I think you have to give Alan credit since he's done so much with it. Was in the top ten in the UFC, obviously, um, but. Um, I think personally, I liked Elia Il- uh, McNamara. Yeah, okay. was probably the one that I think he or was the he most from? technical. Here, Johnsboro. Okay. In Johnsboro. What about Paragold? Was Dan Bulkley? Did You say he was your Dan? Dan's really good. Like I said, he Burl. if he could stay mentally focused, um, I really liked Dan. Yeah. He was he's very well rounded. You know, Dan and Dan can be the hammer or the nail. He don't care. You know, I remember he fought a guy that was winning a lot of fights. I think his name was Ryan Cardinal. But he was tough. He was out of, um, like Cersei, I think. Tough guy, won a bunch of fights. And him and Dan fought in Blavel, I think, in the cage. And uh, it was, the first round was really good. They both were knocking the crap out of each other. And when the round was over, Ryan ran out of the cage and, and just quit, like literally ran out the cage door. When his corner come in to corner him, he ran out the door. And uh, we were trying to get him out. And they are like, he, he Dan scared him so bad because Ryan was hitting him flush and as wow. hard as he could. And it, and Dan was smiling and was liking it. And Dan was screaming in the cage, come on, Ryan, you were hitting me too. Let's go. Yeah, this is a great yeah, fight. And yeah. Dan was excited about it and wanted it more. Scared and him. He wanted that contact. And Ryan knew that he had hit him with his best possible shots. And he liked it. And then he liked it. And Ryan did not nope, like it. I ain't it. doing that. Yeah. And Ryan was like, "I don't. I'm never fighting." And Ryan yeah. quit fighting over it, you know. Like he, wow. Because you know, he had never. Everybody he had ever hit that hard and that clean, down, he had Ryan. knocked out. Yeah, dude. And Dan was laughing because he was like, it, "To Dan, it was exhilarating." All right. Well, Dan's a little bit off. <laughs> I love him to death, but he's <laughs> <laughs> he's a little he, You shouldn't like it. I mean, I can see tolerating it and be tolerant. I, I mean, I think I'm very tolerant of people punching me, and I don't get emotionally involved. I think of it like a hey, trash. You know, I don't think I like it you know what I mean I don't think yeah, I you like don't it. want it. you're not asking for it I'd rather you know that's why like I never liked john vog John Claude Van Damme films okay. because he always has to get his out you know he's got to get beat up well, it's like rocky too right. Yeah, but Rocky, kind of like, he was trying, Rocky was trying to win. <laughs> he just didn't have no technique. And so his whole thing was, but I've got more heart than you do. Right. I understand his thing. He was yep. like, I don't, I don't, I'm not as good as Apollo Creed. I don't have yep. Apollo Creed's physical attributes. I don't have Apollo Creed's skill set. I don't have his training. I don't have his money. I don't have his gym, but I'll take that beating. So yep. I, I can, I can respect Rocky. You can Rocky. appreciate that. Okay. I can appreciate Rocky. But Van Damme ends up coming up with this really clean technique that's so crisp and so, pr- after he's got beat up for an hour. And he's nearly dead and he can't see. And he's like, now, okay, well, now I'm going to use my fancy technique. Now that's just stupid. So I just, you know, so like Steven Seagal, like I, you know, obviously being Gene LaBelle, I can't like Steven Seagal and I, and, and all that. I understand that. But but at least in his earlier movies, he just won. Like he, nobody touches him. Yeah, yeah. He just goes, and he went. So yeah, like at least if you're going to make stuff up, make yourself look cool. You know what I mean? So, Don't take a beating for so long and then turn it on. Right. So but before Gene LaBelle choked him out, made him crap his pants and all that stuff like that, and cut off his ponytail. But that's a whole different story. But, but, <laughs> That'll but, be for episode. Right. Later. Yeah. That's, you can. It's on YouTube. I'm um, eight million times. But yeah. So. But anyway, but basically, Steven Seagal says that uh, he can't be choked out. And they were doing Under Siege, the movie Under Siege. And so Gene's a stuntman. Fight court doing fights and stuff. So he's like, all right, Steven." Let's you get out of this now. So he grabs Stephen. Stephen tries to karate chop him in the balls, and um, that's not a good thing to do to another man. Not Jean LaBelle. If you was going to try to hit Jean LaBelle in the balls while he had your neck, is not the time to try to hit Jean LaBelle in the balls. So he tries to hit Jean uh, LaBelle. So he tries to hit me right in the sisters. You know, so so anyways, so. <laughs> He chokes him out. He craps his pants, and Gene cuts his ponytail off. <laughs> and, uh, and so, anyways, um, so Gene gets fired, obviously, from the movie set. Yeah. And uh, so, can he, you
0: imagine how that'd go, with Gene? I hate to break it to you, but
1: yeah. So anyway, so then he had to sign a bunch of legal contracts, and so now he he can always. He, now his his response is, he's a he's a he's a great actor. As good as his martial arts, or something, you know? So, which basically is his way of saying his martial arts and his acting sucks. But, <laughs> is but, that but a, legally?
0: Yeah, man, that's a, I've never heard that story. I'm going to YouTube that.
1: Oh, yeah, that's all. Gives something to watch. Yeah, you, you so you just know. YouTube, uh, like Joe Rogan did a podcast <laughs> on it and stuff. You can do yeah. that. But Ronda Rousey talked about it. Everybody talks about it. It's funny. There's actually parodies of it. You know, like one of one of his uh, blood belt guys kind of looks like Steven Seagal and does a ponytail and comes out, and it's funny. It's it's a long it's a long it's, a long, it's been going on for a long time. Oh, but anyway, I so you do know, you definitely he doesn't like. Of course, yeah. they called him out on Black Belt magazine, like a whole bunch of them. Bob Wall. Joe Lewis, all of them got together, and I'm like we, we all want to fight you. Pick one, you know. It's like the, I think the, it was twelve. Of them, Bill Wallace, like I think it called it the Dirty Dozen. Like twelve legit guys. We're all like we all want to fight Steven Seagal, and he wouldn't fight none of them. He didn't wow. Ran, it.
0: So, did, do you want to answer Trevor's other uh, question of who is the toughest fight you were ever in? Dude, that is there one that rings the bell.
1: The toughest fights always with yourself, and everybody needs to understand that. It, it's never about. You're a tool. You're you're a tool. Everybody you fight's a tool. All that is is something to chisel away the things about you that you don't like. And at the point that you ever think that anybody, you know, so no no fight's tough except for the fight with yourself. So if you fought this guy and you struggled with his strikes, that just showed you that you need to work on your guard, your your blocking, your head movement, your footwork. Um, It shows you that you need to work on your clinch game. Um, you know, it just shows you where where you, you know, here's what your friends will smoke up your butt. That's what they do. That's what your friends do. Your friends tell you what you did right. So Trevor's got a lot of friends. Trevor's a nice guy. Everybody likes Trevor. Yeah. You know, if you yeah, don't I like, like, I like Trevor, Trevor. Anderson... Yeah. You're probably a really, you're probably a really serious, you got serious issues. You, there's a lot of people that don't like me and that's understandable because I have that, that personality where people are like really loyal to me and really love me or they really don't like hmm. me. Um, usually people that don't know me, don't like me and people that get to know me, love me to death. So yeah. that, that's good because yeah. there's a lot sure. of people that's the opposite for sure, most absolutely. people. Most people like people until they get to know them and then they don't like absolutely them. So I've right. always felt like, like I have friends from kindergarten that are still my friends from kindergarten. That's, that's not awesome. You know, where most people... Friends are like, because they ran at each other at Skinny Jays. Absolutely. And then if they don't run at each other at Skinny Jays, they don't talk to each other for another month. Yep. You know, so so with, 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 that, being, with that being said, um, they're like, Trevor, you did, your, your kicks were so great. Your punches are so great. Oh, man, that was an awesome submission. But your enemies, your toughest fight, your enemies, those are who make you good. If you're going to do that one more round, it's not because your buddies told you how great your kicks were. This is because you think that other guy might kick harder than you. That 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 toughest fight is your best friend. That that toughest fight, that person that you train for, that's the guy that makes you wake up. That's mm. the guy that makes you put that donut down. That's the guy. Mm.
0: There's
1: a, the, the tougher. That's the guy. There's a, You'll see in MMA. Um, especially when I was training it's, it's sometimes it, the guys they push so hard push so hard push so hard and then they get to that, that championship fight and and they hate that guy they hate that guy they hate they've trained to hate that guy and at the end of the fight they're hugging each other yeah. because they know even though that was their toughest fight that's the guy that made them the best so don't don't that's what I'm saying. don't avoid the tough fights don't don't it, it, whoever who I mean, I would say probably the toughest person that I ever fought was Gokor uh, when he was first coming and He was just an assistant student, and then we ended up being like lifelong friends because, because, mm-hmm. because if you are tough, it, like I grew up wrestling, grew up boxing, grew up doing martial arts, and I was kind of ahead of the curve. I pretty much thought I could beat everybody up, and I and I pretty much would go from school to school as I was traveling around with with the military, and and 99% of mm-hmm. all those schools I could beat mm-hmm. them all up. Mm-hmm. And then you know you run into them and you just get manhandled and you just get smashed and you go this this is the guy this is not it's not my toughest fight this is the guy that I love this is the guy who can take me to the next level this is the guy that just showed me I don't know nothing you know what I mean this is the guy you know what I mean I think the f- <clears throat> the first time we grabbed hold of each other he threw me like a hundred times he's a world champion judo player too you know besides doing the other stuff it did not matter where I grabbed and even to this day. I have got good enough doing judo that I can almost every time pick what kind of throw I want to be thrown by and pick which where I want to land out. You know, and I think that's a, and people think that's not. Like, yeah, that's a huge accomplishment with him. That's a huge accomplishment. Wow. Because I get to figure out which side I want to land on, or, you know, <laughs> so I, I figured out what what to feed him so that I don't break something. That's awesome. Absolutely. Because most people just wake up like. What happened, what happened what happened to me? <laughs> at least I know what the hell happened yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't have any delusions that i won't to be able to throw him. I just need I just would like to Absolutely. land I would just like to land and be okay. You know <laughs> what you mean? get up and walk away. Yeah, that's awesome. It's you a know? victory. But everywhere every you know, I tried to grab here, I tried to grab there, I tried to grab here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all that's it's incredible. all it all sucks. You know, so like I said, so I mean but yeah, that was yeah, it was it was horribly bad.
0: That sounds pretty tough. If so. you
1: look at it from a physical standpoint, but you know, it was it was tough and it was and it was um, but I being able to grab like that we weren't doing punches or strikes that first time, you know. Um and, and he's not real technical. He just hits really hard and kicks really, but he's not a technical stand-up guy, it's, it's grappling. So most of the things I learned from Gokor is the grappling, you know. Um, like there's other people that I did the stand-up stuff with that I learned more stand-up from them. <clears throat> but then they didn't know the grappling. So you have to have a lot of coaches in a lot of different areas. Yeah. But but with, with that being said, I didn't look at it as – like I didn't get up feeling like I had lost anything or like I had been um, in a tough fight. I felt like um, happy. I felt excited. I felt like there's more to know. There's more to learn. Um, my mm. journey starts again. I haven't mm. wasted my time. So hmm. I don't, I didn't, I didn't see it as a tough fight. I, I felt, I, you know, um, I, I, you know, so, so yeah. I mean, that's what people, yeah. it's, no, that's it's, great. It's, 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 your mental perception of something. Absolutely. Most people can't get out of their own body. That's, that's their problem. So like, Oh, the guy hit me really hard. I mean, I get kicked by mules with steel shoes on almost daily. You know what I mean? Like you don't kick that hard, you know? <laughs> How did you get into the mule training? Has that been in your well, story? Yeah, I've always, I've always had horses my whole life and always wanted to be a cowboy. I mean, like I said, Billy Jackie is beating everybody yeah, up. He's riding sure. a horse, you know, and rode a horse. Yep. You know, so, so you got to do all of it. But uh, So I've always had horses, my family had horses. So I grew up with that. And then later on in life I got into the mules because the mules are a little tougher, a little grittier, a little more athletic. And um, What are mules condition? used for? Because you, you train these and sell them, right? Yeah, and
0: and they do everything. really good at it. So, like, what am I – if I wanted to buy a mule or someone wants to buy what are the, why are they buying mules?
1: Most people are uh, in the market are older people that just don't want to put up with the nonsense that comes with a horse. Um, and the mules being, you know, generally smarter, calmer, okay. um, stronger, last longer, have less health issues, better feet. Um, but then there's also people that are like working on ranches and the, the the ground's really rocky or really tough and it's hard for a horse to hold up to it. And the mules just do better. than a lot of people for hunting, because the mules seem a lot more for hunting. Hunting, like hunting. Hunting elk or bear or mountain lion. For example, like if you want to go hunt a mountain lion and you kill a mountain lion, try to, try to put that mountain lion on a horse and see how that works out for you. A lot of horses really have a are opposed to a mountain lion being on their back, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, evolution has told you don't let a mountain lion be on your back for a long time. Where a mule is a little more like you can like they don't like it, but they seem once you kind of work them through the process and they do it they kind of understand it's dead be okay yeah but a lot of you know with horses on them they'll try to kill they'll just kill themselves nearly trying to get away because a horse genetically is a flight instinct animal it's the only animal that man has it's a flight instinct animal but a donkey is not a donkey well that's why you see donkeys in pastures with cows they just kill the coyotes they don't run from coyotes they just kill them and be done with it well a mule's half horse half donkey they're sterile you know mules don't have babies they're They're a hybrid. So, a lot of mules catch that donkey mentality of let's just think this out and figure out what's going on. Oh, the line's dead. And then they're fine with it, you know, where a horse just can't get out of himself. You know, a horse is like, we got to run, we got to run. You know, so, like, so even if you get a lot of times they'll get the horse where they're used to it and they get on there and then you're going. Down the trail, and the horse is like, okay, it's dead. And then you hit a limb, and the and the lion's head goes like that. He's back alive, and they lose their shit, you know. So, you know, that's so that's why you see <laughs> mules, you know. <laughs> you so, would love to see that with you. Yep. So, you know, so, how did? So, what do you do now, like with your business?
0: Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with it?
1: Yeah, we tra- we train the mules and stuff, which which I've always been controversial in the martial arts and stuff, because like back when everybody did karate, like you know which I did karate, I did all that traditional stuff, and it sucked. And once you know, like once you know it's a waste of time, then you know, and you can't unsee it, you know what I mean, like you think, like, like for example, like I, I did a fight um, back when I was in the military, and I was doing PK karate, and you know, you, know, you box and you kick, and you, you're the toughest, you're beating up every other karate guy on the planet because you're doing full contact karate, and they are points foreign. You know what i'm saying like they're they're trying to pull their deadly punch for an inch you know inch away so they don't kill you yeah it's it's not going to happen well in doing that stuff they have like the they they have like if you you watch taekwondo they uh if i barely touch you i get a point so they switched all their stances to speed stances so there's no power being developed so there's no way it can possibly hurt you and to get the extra reach, since I only have to touch you, they're using like the top of their foot. We're like a Muay Thai guy's using his shin. If I kicked you really hard, the t- if you kicked me in the head really hard with to the top of your foot, the top of your foot's going to break. You're the, top of your, the little bones in the top of your foot cannot take my skull. Hmm. My skull is designed to take a shot. top of your foot is not. You know what I mean? Just, just that's what I tell people, take a five-pound weight, be barefooted, stand on the floor, and drop that five-pound weight on your foot. See how that worked out for you. Not well. Okay, well, my head weighs 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's going to hurt your foot. Just drop that weight on your foot. That's how long. And those people have been doing it for years. <laughs> and like I said, I've not it for years, but it's, it's all stupid. It's just, it doesn't, their punches and they got their hand on their hip. You better keep your hands up. I'm going to punch you in your face and knock you out. You know what I mean? Like boxers keep their hands up for a reason, you know. You know, and like and like when I was teaching in Paraguay, and and, it, and and I and I really did not like Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva is a great fighter, he's a great person, and mm-hmm. great I understand all that. But he has physical attributes that God said so. And he sure. has speed and time and that God said Absolutely. so. Absolutely. And so if you're a white in Paragold, Arkansas, you don't need to have your hands down and be rubbing yeah, yeah, And so yeah, all these people were seeing him as the champ, and they were trying to imitate him. Yeah. He did more damage for students of martial arts than probably anybody else in history because huh. they wanted to be like him, and you can't. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just not possible for, for 99.9% of the human population to have that sense of time and speed and physical attributes but they wanted to, and it's hard yeah. to say. No, you need to, you need to keep your white, You need to keep your chin down. You need to yeah. keep your shoulders up. You need to get your hands up. You need to be moving your head, and, yeah. you, and you need to you need to understand your footwork. You know what I mean? And understand, but at the same time, I guarantee you, if you went and talked to Anderson mm-hmm. Silva, so if you went through his training, he went through all that fundamental training, sure, and course. he knows how to do all that. Yeah. And then he got so good at doing all that, he was he, he, was, he was good rules. enough that he could break yeah. the rules and not do that. Absolutely. But he, I guarantee you, he knows all those principles and concepts. Of course. And so, so part of his strategy that these people aren't, can't understand was that if you're trying to be really conservative and traditional and orthodox in your box, boxing style, and this guy's doing this in front of you, you will just start loosening up. You will start feeling like, well, I want to be free, too. I'm going to loosen up, too. I don't want to look like I'm a nerd, yeah. so I'm going to start doing stuff. Like, and, and as soon as you start trying to mimic him or loosen up, he picks you apart, yeah. you know. And so he got a, so a lot of people doing that, would get picked apart here, you know. And uh, yeah. so, so that with with that being said, you know, you know, I try to keep everybody when they were training like focused on how to do the right stuff, and then there was like Jesse Bill. He he I don't think he ever lost a fight and he was knocking everybody out. And he was another one that was like Anderson, so he could just knock them out with his left hand, right hand, left knee, right knee, left foot, right foot. And then he ended up being like a nurse or something, got like a real job and got he was just too smart to have to do that for a living. Sure. But, but uh but he could have been in the UFC easily, you know. Wow. But he hit everybody real hard. So I don't know. Um, you know, with yeah. the with the mule business, like with, with, with so with the martial arts, you know, like when all they were doing at traditional karate, I would go in there and like pick them up, slam them, choke them out. And so they got to where, you know, they don't like me or whatever. I was the rough guy or I was a mean mm-hmm. guy because I got real where I really didn't want to. Um, I wanted to kind of show that it was all crap, you know, even though I was really high ranked in it all. I mean, I felt like I was the guy to go like this. It's time to change. It's time to move on. What you do know? you mean? In, in what way? Well, this was like in the 90s and stuff. And, like, I'd, I had seen, like, uh, Dan Inosanto taught Bruce Lee how to do the nunchucks. He was Bruce Lee's top student. And I trained a lot with Dan Inosanto doing the weapons and a Kali. And so they do, <clears throat> like, have you ever seen The Born Identity?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's choreographed by Jeff Amata, who is one of, which Dan Inosanto is, is my coach. With, and Jim Smothers was his. He was a world champion kickboxer, So I trained a lot with Mr. Smothers. Dan Asanto, it Jeff, Jeff Amata does the same. So he's that's when you see that's Panatukan, which is a Filipino martial art that that the Born Identity is showing. So that's a really good stand-up art. It's really it's got a lot of attributes with weapons and stuff. And that's why it looks really cool. And those guys are making you know. He'll look really good in the sure. movies. So I was doing that stuff. I was doing the Gene Bell I was doing the grappling. I was doing the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the karate guys, you could just smoke them, you know. So then all the traditional karate guys just got where they hated me because I'd just call them out and be like, yeah. especially Okinawans. I, I hate the Okinawan martial arts, and they're, that's real popular, you know. Well, I hear
0: you as, just, and I know we got to wrap up for time, but um, one thing I, I guess I wasn't expecting, because we've never talked before, really, right. um, except for last night for a few moments, just to make sure I got you an orange crush soda. Um, but you're a teacher. I don't know if yeah. you've ever, maybe you look at yourself that way, but you don't. But it seems like you're just, you really enjoy teaching, helping others become a better version for of themselves, themselves. Yeah, a stronger version of themselves. Uh, you're a loyal friend. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I've kind of like you said, of some people that are far from me, hate me, and then, you know, which I've never hated you. I just didn't really know anything other than what I heard, but the closer you get to Max Bishop, the more you'd be like, man, that's a guy that, yeah, I want to be around, I can learn from, I can benefit from. Right. A, lot, so, a lot
1: of people, they get too wrapped up in, you know, like, well, he's tough. What they? Here's what I always tell people. it really, It's really irrelevant. As long as I'm tough enough to survive a mule daily, I'm tough enough for me. Because that's your world. But but to me, more importantly, is, is look at how many people – like you said, in seventh grade, how many people did I influence to be them be tough? How, you know, not that I'm tough, but how much did I set an example that they would be tough for themselves and then their kids be tough. And it changed their perception of what tough is, um, you know, uh, and and so like, like I, I really don't care. That's why like I really don't care what belts I have, what ranks I have, what I call, that was. That's my journey. That's my mm. journey. That's my thing. Mm. You know what I mean? And it all comes up to a waste of time. Um, you know, my wife wanted to live here. My first wife, she wanted to live here, um, and raise her family here in Paraguay. This was her town. Um, you know, and so I, I, you know, I got here, I got out of the military and I could either kill people, stop people from killing people or teach martial arts because that's the only skill sets I really had because there's not a big call for bomb disposal in Paraguay, Arkansas. Ooh. So with, so being here with that, with that being said, you know, I was like, Oh, I guess I'll teach martial arts. You yeah. know, that was about the entire thought of that yeah. process, you know, but that whole time of that age group of you growing up, those people were influenced by that. And so, you know, you're going to see less bullying. Like people said, they said, hey, don't mess with that kid. Sure. Because that kid's going to fight. Not that they, and again, it didn't have to be the toughest kid in class. It's just like, he's going to fight you. Sure. You know, all of Max's kids will fight. Sure. You know, because that's what I was wanting. That's what I was wanting. That, and to me, what I what I helped the confidence, you cannot imagine, and I don't want to get in that conversation, but how many girls come in that have been raped or um, assaulted. Um, from uncles, stepdads, yeah. friends, date raped. You know yeah. that we gave them the confidence to come through, and, and and you never hear about them because everybody wants to talk about Trevor Anderson, Dan Volkley, the fighters that got the limelight in the cage. Yeah. They didn't have the toughest fight. That yeah. girl that's getting raped by her stepdad, she had a tougher fight. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to call out any names, but there's one one girl here and stuff. When she first started coming in there, because she had been uh, abused for years by a family member. When you called her in side position or side control, she went to shaking, crying emotionally breaking down, could not be held down. And then she went through that entire struggle with all those guys on that fight team until she ended up winning. She could beat most every guy that come in our, in our gym. She was fighting full grown men, te- te- choking them out technical. She, when she fought in the cage, she never lost in cage because, of, and she, she was a better fighter and more technical. And, and, and the guys that are on my team, they all know who she is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I don't want to call her out on a radio, but now she's a mom. She's got all these kids. Mm-hmm. She's married. She's got a life. You know, it's super satisfying she had a tougher right. fight than all them guys put together
0: absolutely
1: you know what i mean and then she won you know but she won in the cage she won in the fights she was more technical she got her black belt all that kind of deal just the ability to not freak the hell out when somebody holds you can you imagine like she couldn't like she couldn't have had a husband ever because like i said she physically emotionally mentally broke down just by being hugged wow. you know what i mean and wow. she ended up you know i want to tell you something fighting is not like people think like if me and Trevor are in class and we beat the crap out of each other that you you hug each other because you can't help it because you're so excited that this guy brought out the best in you so all those guys are wanting to hug her because she's doing so good and so they're thinking I'm going to hug you to let you know that you did really good you know because in like in traditional martial arts everybody's bowing and since this it's not how it is on MMA because you're you're bleeding you're sweating you know so so people in the MMA they hug each other and they pat each other on the mm-hmm. back well, every time they did that, her skin was crawling and mm-hmm. she almost burst into tears because here's these strange guys holding her, and her whole body was like, You gotta get away, you gotta get away. And so she had to learn, just to learn to accept a hug wow. was a fight for her. That's you know incredible, I mean? man. So the stories that people yep. that's why I said pe- the stories that people tell are not the ones that matter to me. Yeah. You know, because I've seen the real fight. I've seen the real struggle. I, I, I was in the office with her the first day she came in. You know, wow. one of our one of our best fighters was Larry Huffman. And his wife went through that episode, she, you know, she's more, but anyways, she's very churchy, very nice, very kind person, very gentle person, goes overseas to do missions, gets raped overseas in one of them stupid ass little villages trying to help people out. So same deal, horrible, horrible, horrible thoughts when she first come in. You know, mentally broken, trying to do the good thing, trying to be, be about the church, trying to help get get in a village down there and get, get raped by all those people, yeah. you know, yeah. now she's married to Larry pro fighter. Mm-hmm. She trained, she did good, runs marathons. They got like four boys that are super athletic, super nice. And those, those are bigger fights. Absolutely. So some people go like, well, what's the toughest fight you ever had? That's why I don't even want to answer. I ain't had no tough fights. Those people had tough fights. Like my aunt Carolyn had cancer, died of cancer. That's a tough fight. You know, those are tough fights. Toughest fights are out of the ring right yeah but inside the ring it's just if you found you found somebody tough um you just found somebody to help you get yourself better to the next level Mm -hmm. you know that's not tough that's that's a that's a that's a gift you know Mm -hmm.
0: that's a gift it goes in line with what we heard yesterday with blake and haley you know or i know this is timed differently so you might have to edit this part out but yeah, we, we had Blake and Haley Deck on a previous episode, and they lost their two children in a car wreck. I don't know if you're familiar with their story, but they literally just sat where you were and talked about suffering in so many words as being a gift, as being something that actually the thing they thought would kill them actually led them into a deeper place of, of rest and joy and peace and fullness. So there's something about that to pay attention to. It's well, definitely a gift I would never want to receive. Uh, absolutely, and they said the same thing.
1: Yeah, and so but it's all it's all in your perception of it. But but and what I was going to tell you is so in the mule world that, that has become the same thing to where I'm real controversial because I told because pe- people when I first started going into the mule world, they're like, well, you got you can't ride a mule for like the first few months. You got to get to know him. You got to be his friend. I'm like. Get on it and ride it. You know you'll bond with it while you're on it. You know let it respect you. If you want because a mules a thinking animal. And once he knows you're a wimp, you know he'll take advantage of you. You know get on there and show him day one you can ride. And uh, and the, and now like I'm worldwide um, famous or infamous or controversial or whatever. I've got some kind of green-haired chick now. Uh, of course I've never met them. I have no clue who they're. They took the time... Like we'll cross ditches or something with mud, and the mules will get buried down in the mud, and then you got to get off and lead them out, get them up, whatever. And so they edit these videos and take these pictures, and they're like, "He just rides them until they can't move." Like no, the mule. I, okay, my mule didn't get stuck. Somebody else's mule gets stuck. They can't get it out. I have to take my mule down there and get their mule out. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. story, the version, oh, their, their sure. narrative is that I rode this mule until it just can't walk. They don't say, "Well, it's buried in the mud." Yeah. Or that, or in the fact that is there's an actual trail. If you stay on the trail, do you want get yeah. in the mud? It's these underground springs over there in Scatter Creek. The mule didn't want to cross the log and stay on the trail and tried to run around on the rider. Being a butthead, tried to run around and buried itself. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. wasn't listening to the rider. And then so I'm, I'm the only person that can get it out. You know, yeah. you can't get tractors back but there. But that's not the story can't that's get, being told on the. No, so you know. I'm all over the internet for. Yeah. Abusing. and then I did have one. And one other, and I did do it, but I know how to punch correctly. And if you want to punch correctly, you use your legs and your hips and your stuff. You don't just pop something. And you'll never, ever hit a mule or a horse in the head hard enough with your hand to hurt them. You'll break your hand. Your hand cannot hold up to boxing gloves and boxing are to protect your hands. They're not to protect the other guy. Mm-hmm. You wrap your hands, you tape your hands, whatever. So if you're bare punching anything in the head. But anyways, this thing had kicked me three times that day. The last time he kicked me in the balls. And when he kicked me in the balls, I jerked his head around and I popped him in the nose twice. I did, and he's never kicked me again since. It's been over a year ago. He doesn't kick anymore. He understood that's not acceptable behavior. They're like, oh, he's abusing him or whatever. Like, like you're not gonna get locked in a round pen with a mule, pop him in the nose twice, and that's abuse. Like, is it, is it the gentlest, Look, the dude done kicked and, and you have to understand the why. I always tell people, like, why? Like, if me and you get in a fight, why are we getting in a fight? Maybe you just wanna learn some more technique. See, we're not emotionally involved in that. We're just fighting because you want to learn. Somebody's trying to rob somebody, Somebody's, then you're fighting on a different level. That mule was an accidental birth. His mom was a really well-known, famous roping mare, and they had went and caught these wild burros in the desert, New Mexico, and they are going to rope their back feet for cows to practice healing for this rodeo company because you can rope donkeys longer than you can rope a cow. Somehow or another, one of these little wild burros breeds this mare, and she gets pregnant and has this baby. They don't even want it because they got like a $20,000 mare with a damn donkey baby. And they're like, what the hell are we going to do this thing? But he's real pretty, buckskin, tiger stripes all over him. So they, so once he gets weaned off his mom, they put him in this pen with these wild burros. He's raised for four years with wild burros. He thinks he's a wild burrow. He's fighting, he's kicking, he's biting, he's aggressive. He doesn't know any better. Sure. You know, the product of his
0: environment. The, the yeah. only
1: thing he's, the only thing he's exposed to around humans is to be roped, have his feet. He's herded into a pen and they rope his yeah. feet. He don't like you. And if you touch his feet, he's kicking to kick the ropes off or whatever they've done. And so that's all on them. So then, then he gets really pretty. So they're like, well, we're going to send him and and kill him, you know, send him to the killers or somebody can buy him or whatever. He comes to aid Oklahoma, I was like, I'm going to buy him. Well, his entire thing is if somebody gets near you, whether it's a donkey, a horse, a feed, a person, you kick them and you're on them off or you bite them. And that's, that was his mentality. And that's his mentality. And so at some point I tried to be nice to him. I tried to be reasonable, which I did. But what he understood was that's his language. Sure. And so when I punched him in the nose twice, he went, okay, don't kick that guy no more. And he didn't do it no more. Hmm. So they're blasting me all over the internet and they've they've edited and they edited the whole process. And then they, and they leave out the following year of me riding to where he ends up making a great mule. I'm riding around I'm doing everything in the world, hunting on him, crossing ditches. He's friendly, everything. They leave all that out and they just go back to day four, the fourth day I ever had him the fourth day he ever been handled properly. <laughs> or improperly, however you want to say it, but the fourth time anybody's put a saddle on him and tried to handle him and say, hey, this is your job, this is what you're going to do in life, and you're not a donkey, you're not a wild burro. you're going to actually do something for a living, I popped him in the nose. But that's what I thought, and they are like, well, you could have done something different. I said, like, I don't care if you're a man, a gorilla, a mule. If you kick me in the balls, I expect to be punched in the nose. That's, that's, that's a Max Bishop rule. Kick me in the balls, I'm going to do everything I can to punch you in the nose. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And he needs to understand that. That's the rules around here. Don't kick me. Especially in the walls, I don't like it. Yeah, I understand. I, I would not like it either. But anyway, so yeah, so I'm, I've been I'm controversial. But again, everybody that comes out and rides with me, and they see my mules and they see my kid, then they like me. Yeah. But on the internet, sure. they hate me. Yeah, it's a shame. That's the world that we're living
0: in, where people will try to pull sound bites or video clip, and then just, yeah wreck a whole man's reputation or whatever based off of that so
1: but see i don't care because i i tell them i'm like dude if you're getting your advice from a teenager with green hair on how to ride a mule then we don't have nothing in common if that's who you want to listen to go away yeah because i don't care but the funny thing is which i get all this hate mail and and, you know emails and on messenger and they call me they've called me from austria australia france (laughs) i mean you piss france people off easy which i you know when I was in the military, it's in that time frame, of, you know, is it friend, foe, or French? You don't even know what side of the fence they're on. But like I said, they get so emotionally involved over, you know, you kill an elk and post a picture of you holding a dead elk, it's
0: not good.
1: they will lose their mind. Like Israel, stuff over there, they don't go for that. And so, you anyway, know, I'm known all over the world, and they all get mad at me constantly. Good. So I'm out here. I'm in Paragould, Arkansas. You're in Paragold, Arkansas, I'm man. in Paragould, Arkansas, riding a mule in Scatter Creek. Mind my own business with my eight-year-old girl, and I am pissing people off in Austria. It's amazing to me.
0: That's pretty incredible.
1: It is incredible. Like when you said, like, like I, I've got some, I've got some videos. Um, I, I trained this one. Okay, there's some handicapped veterans, and they can't get on a mule because their their legs are jacked up from the war. So they're like, "Can you train a mule to lay down and pick up somebody out of a wheelchair?" I'm like, "Sure." So I do this so that this mule gets a wheelchair. That. To me, it seems like okay because I want to help the disabled vets down here. That video has like 20 million views, you know, and and so like I'm I'm this video will pop up randomly every now and then, and it'll be in uh, Brazil, and then it'll be in Mexico, and then it's in France, and it's going viral in all these other countries. I'm like. And I just on a whim trained a mule to lay down to pick up a disabled bed out of uh, out of a wheelchair in my front yard in Parable, Arkansas. It's amazing. And 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 it's everybody and there's people in Japan watching it. You know, you're like going, really? That's amazing yeah, to me. It's awesome. So, good or bad, sometimes it works out to work. Sure. Like, so they edit that video. I'm the greatest person that ever lived. And then the next week they Absolutely. they got somebody else's mule buried in the mud, and, and it's not even my mule, and I'm most hated. She literally said I'm the, she hates me more than anybody else on the planet. I'm, oh, like, wow. I'm like, little girl, you've never met me. Wow! At all. Yeah. I was like, you have a blessed life. I don't see it as an insult. I'm like, yeah. if, if a guy in Paragold, Arkansas riding a mule that you've never met is your worst enemy in yeah. life, yeah. you've got a great life. Yeah. Bless you.
0: Yeah.
1: What a yeah. great life you have. Yeah. You've, nobody's ever made you mad in your entire life. You've, yeah. you're, you're not exposed to any, nobody. That means that nobody that she's ever actually met or been exposed to has ever caused her a problem because the only problem and the only person she hates is somebody that she's never met or hung out with her, had a conversation with, or even made contact with on a phone. Wow. So what, yeah. a, what a great life she has. I'm happy for her. Yeah. I'm mad. People are like, are you mad? I'm like, no, I don't, I'm happy. I'm glad, yeah. she, glad she has such a blessed life.
0: Man, care. it's really incredible to know you are here in our city. And I, I, I know there's, hopefully we can have you come on again um, in the near future. And even there's a, not, there's
1: a lot of cool people in this city. And, there are man, there, there really is. Um, I'm,
0: I need to have I, you I, give me a list of
1: them. So after, well, you know, after. the thing is, I've traveled. You know, you know. Another thing too that people don't appreciate is you should appreciate steaks here. Steaks, steaks, like right. like skinny jays. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Feisty. I yeah. travel all over the country, all over, and I've go to like some of these like in Kansas City, Texas, and they'll be like, "This is the best steak in the country." No, oh, they suck. Skinny J is better. They
0: get good you steaks, know. man.
1: They, we do. We have good steak. We have good. We do have good. Steak. And even like you know, I've been like, like even our Mexican restaurants like avocados or Tio's or so they hold their own, man. Like I I travel all over the country and uh, a lot of times I'm like man I, I'm glad to get back and get a go to go to Skinny Absolutely. J. Absolutely. You need to let me
0: buy you a Skinny jay steak sometime. Would you yeah, let me do I will. that?
1: Yeah, you bet. But uh, so we have we have good some decent food here sometimes. Um, you know you know we've got our share of crime and stuff no doubt but as a, like I travel all over the country every I mean I've been to Colorado Florida Kansas Illinois all in the last week you know what I mean like I like I like I did we did we went to Tampa Florida turned around come back I slept four hours between here and Tampa Florida you know and all that so then I turn around come back we slept about six hours and went to Kansas and come back. so I mean I'm, I'm always driving going somewhere yeah. um,
0: so it's not like you're saying we got good food you never leave the city
1: no, yeah, I sometimes I, yeah. I go all over and so and then same thing. It's like, like right now, I'm 100 percent confident that my truck is not being robbed. You know, and there's valuable stuff in my mm-hmm. truck right now. If you go to stay in a hotel in in other cities and stuff. It's really likely. I mean, we had to put yeah. stuff in the thing. I try to put put it where it's in a light. Um, yeah, there's a lot less. There's a lot more crime. There's A lot of
0: good things about the city, but yeah,
1: yeah, there real there really is. You know, what I mean, like you know, if I go. Um, if I go to the Walmart parking lot and come back out with my little girl and my wife, it's going to be all right. Yeah. 99.9% of the time, it's it's just fine and stuff. And it's not like that other places. It's not. Yeah. It's really. Very yeah, blessed, man. School, a good school yeah. system here, all yeah. of that. Yeah, my kid, I, got, I have one kid's 24. She went through Green County Tech, you know, no problems. You know, I mean, yeah. she didn't grow up with the crap I had to grow up with.
0: Yeah, you said something to me last night, by the way. You said she didn't date until she was 18. And I don't know about you Bill but whenever you said that to me I thought well yeah like what idiot's going to try to date your daughter unless they know like I'll take care of her. Well,
1: you know? I don't know they, she's found them <laughs> since then. She yeah. I don't know. I must have done some really horrible stuff if she tries to go opposite of me or something. I don't know. They're uh, just dang their girls. that She's maybe she's
0: got see. a strong personality know. like you man which will I guess. get her favorite I don't know, in some ways. But
1: yeah. I, Like I said, I bless her heart. Um yeah, she doesn't date a lot, but uh, I've not been—I've—I've I've been unimpressed to yep. this point. So, oh man, so she's single right now. If there's somebody that's actually kind of, kind of cool, and tough, she's good looking, got a job. Yeah, they need to come or, see you first. You know, she does her own deal. I don't think I have any influence okay. over that. Um, and you know, growing up, when she was growing up, um, you know, her mom was real nice and sweet and all that. So when she was growing up, um, I thought, like, I'll be really mean to the boys. I'll scare them oh, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I didn't try to do that it just happened I guess because I never made no effort to it but like they really they don't even want to come meet me and stuff you know um, so that was effortless you know um, wow. but uh <laughs> but my new one man my wife now she is oh my god, she's mean, it's horrible horrible and so my little girl has it they're half Mexican they're, my wife's half Mexican yeah. and uh whew, temper That's great. horrible That's great. temper yeah it's like it's it's like a You've visual, met your hybrid. match.
0: This is your toughest fight. No, That's the I've answer lost. to your question. I've lost.
1: <laughs> I'm just. I'm, like, I'm kind of like with the go core. I'm just trying to find a nice place to fall. and yeah, like I've. I've give up on this fight, but anyway, so this little, this this one here. I've told. I've said now because you know she's she's. When the boys come to date this one, I'm just going to give them a hug, pat them on yeah. the back, and say, "Good luck, buddy. Yep. Good luck, cowboy up." Cause uh, she, this gonna be this one here will fight you, you. Sit back and watch, aren't she? Yeah, Ashley, she trained with me at martial arts and was was talented and won a lot of tournaments and could could you know she'd fight with a pro. Your oldest daughter? And, yeah, my oldest yeah. daughter. But she's not mean. She don't want to. Yeah. You know she's not. This one here, like if you try to wake her up from her sleep and you grab her foot, she comes up swinging like she's like means to hurt you. You know, and she's mean. Like, she will climb up in my lap like she's going to give me a hug and then just punch you. In What's the her face. name? Cheyenne Storm. That's a sweet name. That just not like a... a Cheyenne Storm or... sounds sweet. Okay. <laughs> Cheyenne. Cheyenne does, yeah. She's mean and stuff. And rides some mules with me, she's tough. She's caught the she's genetics. That's yeah. incredible. She didn't we, get watered we, there's down. There's so on.
0: much more, man. I want to be able to ask you and learn. It's like, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. Right. And so, I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for spending time with us. Really do appreciate wow. it. So it's been an absolute pleasure. So Max Bishop has left the building. We actually went and grabbed a, a steak at Skinny J's after the podcast recordings. He talks about how he travels all over the country selling his mules. And he's like, but there's no better steak than at Skinny J's. So we went and we grabbed a rib on. I'm gonna be honest with you, Bill. Like mm-hmm. there's a big part of me that really wants to be best friends with Max. Of course, but then there's another part of me that's like, I couldn't hang with that guy because he runs with some really tough dudes. Like, like one of his friends broke a femur bone and kept hunting. What? Like, yeah, like we were at Skinny J's and he said, um, he took a phone call. Are you allowed to quote him on this? No, I, I mean I, I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. Um, but he. Yeah, he had a friend that he went hunting with. They were hunting elk in Colorado, and, like, they were on mules. Like, like, Max had shot an elk. It fell down the mountain, mountain, and, like, one of the mules got, like, spooked or something, and they're going down, and Max, like, you know, cowboy-like, like, like, slides, like, you know, like, moves his mule around. where He's going to, like, stop this other mule that's, like, you know, tumbling down the mountain, and right whenever the mule gets to his mule, like, bucks the, uh, like, you know, his buddy off of him. The guy hits the tree, like slams into a tree breaks his femur bone and rather than going back to the cabin to get to the hospital like ASAP he finishes the hunt like they, they kill this elk they field dress it go back like to the cabin and then the guy still doesn't go to the hospital they go back out like the next day and do another hunt and then eventually the guy goes to the hospital and like, gets his leg off and stuff. like that's the kind of people he's running with
1: is the femur bone not the hardest one to break and quite possibly one of the worst bones to break
0: yeah I think so I think well, so I've never broken a bone. I haven't either. So, hey, thanks everyone for listening. Um, stay tuned. We got a lot more guests coming up next week. Is going to be the Spirit Week, School Spirit Week, and uh, it's going to be filled with a lot of different episodes with some great people. We'll also have Jimmy Lou Fisher um, podcast coming up. You'll want to check that out. Until then, be sure and check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, uh, get on our email list. And, um, also we have a website that you can go to www.paragouldpodcast.com until next time.